Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What Are You Doing Movie? Go ahead and pop in your DVD or blurry of Rosemary's Baby. Press play and press pause when the Paramount logo what? fades to black. At the first frame you perceive of all black, press pause, and in a second I'll say three, two, one, unpause. At which point I'll press play, you'll press play, and we'll watch the movie together in perfect sync. It'll be like any other commentary, except of course with four friends in your head. Parentheses.com in parentheses. Anyway, your friends this week, myself as always, T. Christie, newcomer, Laura L.B. Beth Love. Laura Beth LB Beth Love. I don't know how your name goes. Hi. Hello. Michael, <laughs> Michael Dorkman Scott. I'm confused too. That's really amazing Stokes. I wrote it down for you. Well, it's yeah. like if Neil Patrick Harris had a nickname, I don't know where it would go. Like yeah. Neil Patrick NPH Neil. Harris. Neil Patrick. Neil NPH Patrick Harris. Like it's one of those sort of things. Where NPH has exactly like Patrick. that actually. Stop talking now? You bet. Anyway, yeah. so Rosemary's Baby. Uh, I had seen this several years ago. I saw this five or six years ago. And um, I hadn't seen it since then until last night when I was rewatching it, kind of studying and, and reading about it. I haven't read the book, but I was reading through a lot of articles, a lot of reviews from the day. Roger Ebert has a review from 1968, which is kind of cool to go back and find that like on the Chicago Tribune website. Like it's just there, which is cool. And um, I liked it more last night than I liked it the first time. The first time I was I just got bored with it, to be honest. And last night I kind of I think I kind of got it for the first time in terms of what it's doing with brooding and tension and atmosphere and how it's this. This is a weird sort of inversion of several things that we usually take for granted as the way a movie should be structured or a story should be structured. One of them is we always like to talk about how the, the best possible ending is one that is surprising and also inevitable. Like, I can't believe that happened. Of course that happened. How didn't I see that coming? And this one, there's not a surprise, really. You know something's going on. You know something's going to be horrible with the baby and you know that they're involved somehow. It's it's not really a surprise thing. Like, oh, by the way, boom, your baby's a fucked up thing. You didn't even notice that was happening the whole time. <laughs> No, she noticed. So yeah, the whole thing is she was, this ending is the whole just third this, act was her choice it's knowing just this that was happening. Dreadful march towards inevitable. It's just inevitable. That's all. And also it's just dealing with this really great sort of there's not a lot of action on Rosemary's part. She's just learning and becoming more horrified, and every time she tries to do anything, no one believes her. She can't guide this story at all. She's just on a runaway train taking her towards baby doom. And that's just the whole movie. You're watching that play out. And <laughs> just it's like every pregnancy ever. Yeah, exactly. And initially I had I had thought that that was kind of boring, but last night I thought it was kind of cool and kind of an interesting thing that I don't think I've even seen that much since. My one little quibble, by the way, spoilers for Rosemary's Baby, you guys. You know, I think the moratorium is up here, but <laughs> hold on. My one quibble is I really wish we hadn't had that one insert of the baby's face. I really I, I would have loved they it. Didn't. There is no insert of the that's baby's face. That's not the face. insert. That's that's a that's a flashback to uh Satan. When, when she's being raped. Yeah. That's is not it? the baby. Yeah, yeah, that's not the baby. Why do they place it there? Because they say he, he has his father's eyes. It's they didn't the, want to try They hedge their bets. They didn't the want to do it with a baby because the, the baby mm. would have been too... I agree with their thought that the baby would have been too blank, but I feel like they didn't avoid it by doing that because her expression right when she sees it yeah, totally sells well, that they, moment. Not to jump ahead, but uh, you know there was a dispute because this was this was produced by William Castle, Mister B Movie himself, who happened to pick up the rights to the movie. And uh, you know this, this is the guy who made the original House on Haunted Hill and Thirteen Ghosts. And he was like, "We totally need a big rubber de- demon baby. Otherwise, what's the whole movie about?" And and that's my best impression of and Polanski. You know, Polanski was like, "No, no, it would have looked about like that." It's all about the reaction and leave it. You know, leave it a mystery and all that kind of stuff. Been like a muppet. But then editorially, they hedged their bets by doing that. Remember the yeah, devil? Yeah, yeah. Remember yeah. that? Anyway, but Which, uh, I agree with you. I would have, you know, I, I thought that was like, you know, I, I've always hated that device. Well, Every time anyone ever uses it, it's like, yes, I know. I watched the movie. I was there. I, I know what you're talking about. Well, we'll hash it out later because I want to talk about that as it relates to a, a similar thing that happens in the movie Seven, but we'll talk about that and spoil that later. And I'll warn you before that. But <laughs> in any case, uh, I think Rosemary's Baby is just really fucking outstanding. Just a really good movie. And Roman Polanski and Bob Evans. 
Bob Evans. These guys. <laughs> also Chinatown, y'all. Yeah. Just those two guys. That's That blows my mind. Anyway, Rosemary's Baby is awesome. Kind of a long one, but by the way, welcome to Scary Month. Yeah. October. Woo! Rosemary's Baby. Anyway, Laura Beth, what is your uh, history with Rosemary's Baby? You called Baby? this meeting? Yes. Maybe. You're probably wondering why I've called you all here. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for having me Welcome. on the couch. Happy to have you. Yeah, moving on. Anyway. Okay. Your history with Rosemary's Baby? My, um, I mean, did you like grow up with this movie or did you catch it later? Or? Did I? Yes, I grew up. <laughs> I, 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 I cuddled every Christ, it every night. Every Christmas at, every Christmas. at the family house. Put, put little googly eyes on it and <laughs> named it Steve. <laughs> I buried it in the backyard and I just couldn't find it. And then one day I did. That's horrifying. So did weird. you cut all his hair off? I did. Okay. I cut all of its hair off. And all the ones on my mother's too. Made it wear dresses. Hey, what the People hell is laughed at it at school. Right I have no idea this riff. <laughs> Moving on. Well, I um, I, I don't really like horror films. I don't like the, the monsters and the blood and the, and the crazy teeth and stuff. I like shooting those movies. <laughs> no, I've which done is a peculiar thing. I've shot a lot of I've movies. I've made like several that. too, but I don't like watching them. <laughs> but I don't. I don't tend to enjoy that stuff. Um, however, anytime somebody asks me, it's my favorite scary movie. I always say Rosemary's Baby because it's ex- it's exactly the kind of thing that I do like. It's the thriller. It's this. It's supernatural. It's like a, it's all the parts of the of the horror, the the scary, whatever that I that actually like interest me. Um, just like like uh, I don't like going on a roller coaster. But I went on Top Gun, like the inverted one in New Carowinds, because like it's like a story. Like the whole way you're waiting in line and there's like a video playing and there's like the music and then there's like pictures of, of Tom Cruise, you know, and then you get into the roller coaster. You're like, fuck, what the fuck am I doing? Oh my God, I'm in a fucking roller coaster. But it tricked me, right? Okay. And then you don't go again because you're like, well, fuck, then you end up on an actual roller coaster. But so Rosemary's Baby is like the, without the trick, you know, because it's like. It's this great buildup. Yeah. Yeah, it's all it's all the slow tease, and it's it's supernatural, and there's the demonic stuff, which you know is always sort of interesting. And pictures of Tom Cruise, and and then there's pictures of Tom Cruise. Wait, pictures of Tom Cruise. That wasn't in my version. Oh, um, oh, it's the Criterion one. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and and I, you know, it's it's also one of those movies um, I end up referencing a lot as a cinematographer. Oh yeah, Just Laura Beth's a professional cinematographer. By the way, <laughs> professional cinematographer. Professional, yeah. Well, and you know, in this Criterion um, version, I'm I'm excited to see. I haven't seen this. This is a 4K scan of the 35 negative. Someone should tell Netflix because my God, yeah, cool. Yeah, we we were all very (laughs) impressed by the difference in the sting when we did that. Yeah, Yeah. we could see things. And then in Wizard of Oz, there's all sorts of stuff that you never noticed before. Dorkman, what's your Rosemary's Baby thing? What is your Rosemary's Baby? What is your Rosemary's Baby? I saw it a couple years ago, like you, and I had actually very much the same experience because everyone's like, oh my God, it's like the scariest movie ever. And I watched it, and I'm like, I... (laughs) What? I am bored! Yeah, I was kind of of bored by it, but we were talking about doing it and reread the book, or rather listened to the audio book. It's short. You can do it in an afternoon. And then I watched the movie, and I was fascinated that the movie is like literally the book. Like, even down to very small details, it's just straight up, um, he read the book and he went, okay, he specifies that, so that's the hat. That's the shirt and the ad and all that. Yeah, exactly. Like you, I was much more impressed with it this time, and I I appreciate it a lot better. I think one of the things you were saying about it not building to a surprise, I think we've got the... uh, I realized in reading the book, and then I was able to, to see it in the movie... 
there was supposed to be a surprise, but it's kind of a Planet of the Apes thing where everyone knows it now, so you don't even register that it's supposed to be a surprise anymore, which is that you're supposed to think the plot, to like steal is, it or kill the plot it. is to steal and, and sacrifice the baby. And so there's this big twist where it's like, no, no, you are, were actually carrying the Antichrist the whole time. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we, we love the baby. Fooled yeah. you. Um, but everybody knows that that's right. the punchline now. All the, so ki- that, all the kids so, in the hall run in like, surprise! Yeah. Yeah. So, so you so you don't get that uh, that build up in that release. I think it's a very well made movie. There's a lot of really great stuff in the way it's shot and the way it builds and stuff like that. It does show its age a little bit. I think I think now you could probably find ways to amp up the tension and amp up the horror a little bit without getting gory or anything like that. Well, or you can maybe just it. trim it and leave it leave it leave what's there as it yeah. is and just take some fat out of some things. Because because as it is, I'm still not sure why people consider this movie scary. But I can appreciate that it's a very well-made movie. I wonder if that's different for the ladies, but we'll find out. Yeah, that's that. That may be true. Yeah, Trey, you were pregnant once. I was. <laughs> Rosemary's baby. Yeah, again, it's it's it is definitely a, a movie of its time by today's standards. It's a movie in which virtually nothing happens. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. it's like a woman gets pregnant and reads books. She has a couple of lunches with some people and uh, drinks a shake, reads a couple of books, and, and yet uh, arguably more compelling in thirty seconds of nothing than <laughs> yeah. most of the movies. Well, that are yeah, out there's, right now. there's a lot that so you have to you have to kind of surrender. You know, if you're a modern movie watcher and you want to give this movie a fair shake, you have to sort of surrender to the pacing of it and just let it kind of. To, you know, take you along at the pace that it wants to take you, and and I had watched it in, in quite a long time, um, back in the day when it was a thing. When, when did this come out? Sixty eight. Sixty eight. So I didn't see it in the theater. I wouldn't have been able to see it in the theater. Um, but everyone had a copy of the book because it was a bestseller, which yeah. turned me on to Ira Levin because Ira Levin also wrote The Boys from Brazil. He also wrote The Stepford Wives. So he mm-hmm. was like the horror guy before Stephen King became a guy. Um, so everyone had a copy of those books on the, on their bookshelf. So I read the book. Um, and I saw the movie on TV and this is what, what's great about this movie is it doesn't lose anything on television. They just cut out some moments of nudity on television, but those aren't integral to the plot. Right. So you don't lose anything by watching it on television. So I was able to get the full effect of the movie as far as the scary parts on television because there's nothing in it you can't show on television other than the blood, you know, the extreme bloodshot. Yeah. So like extreme, but th- those aren't the critical moments of the movie. Yeah. So, you know, I was able to get the ending. You know, as is, there's nothing in the ending that you can't show on television then or now. Um, so as a kid, whenever I'm surprised they were allowed to say Satan that much. Yeah, really. Whatever, but... whatever it ended up, you know, on TV, I saw it and, and I was like, ooh, OK, that's creepy as hell. Um, and it's it's did. I don't have my my magical pad with me. Does anyone know if uh, did Polanski do the tenant before or after this movie? Someone want to look that up? Computer. Be- because this bears a lot of resemblance to the yeah, tenant. I, I want to say it was before, but I, I feel like my... it was. Hive mind. Yeah, Let us know. But, um, <laughs> but Polanski made a movie called Hello The Tenant where he played the lead himself um, about a guy who moves into a new apartment and loses mm-hmm. his mind. And and this movie shares a lot of yeah. qualities with The Tenant. Um, this is a movie about dread and, and, and paranoia and and what are my neighbors doing when they close their doors and can they see what I'm doing when I've closed my door and, and this urban paranoia idea which which Polanski's done several movies that sort of deal with that. In the chat room he says The Tenant was 1976. Okay. Thank so, you, the one so The Tenant kind of borrowed some of the things he's explored already in this one. Um, so it's, again, you have to kind of roll with it. So I just watched the movie again last night for the first time in I don't know how long and yeah, it was like, it's a, you know, 
even even giving it the pass, it's a little slow. It's like, mm, can tighten it up. I don't think we need to see them eat quite so many lunches. You know, I think we could, you know, you could probably lose 10 minutes out of it and just trim it up. But, but I, I love the fact that, you know, unlike, unlike modern movies, it, it, it does sort of march inexorably toward the conclusion. Getting worse, getting worse, getting worse, <laughs> and, getting worse, getting and, worse. And, you know, once it gets there, it, you know, it, it ends with, you know, not with a bang, but a whimper. But, uh, you know, it's still pretty effective, I think. So it's, it's quite something. Cool. To, uh, to look at now and, and see that, well, this was considered a huge horror movie in 1967 yeah. because it was nothing like it. You're at the point where the Paramount logo has faded to black like I am here. Put the finger <laughs> on the button. Three, two, one, unpause. There's uh, there's probably a lot to be said uh, for... Maybe music is happening. For the fact, like you said, that, uh, um, or like we've we've discussed, they, aside from the, the one sequence of her being raped by Satan. Yeah, uh, there's that. You don't you don't see anything. You don't see anything yeah. supernatural and you are as the as the viewer you are you're allowed basically then to in insert your own version in your mind which is going to be much scarier and and maybe people feel like Rosemary's baby is so much scarier because of yeah. the version they've partially the other thing to the table. The, we have to say is because it's going to come up time and again. The other thing about this movie that's made it stay in the consciousness is because unfortunately this movie is the nexus of three at least three kind of ghastly horrible things that we're all kind of aware of in the yeah. public consciousness um so there's that uh that Wait, uh, oh, sorry, satanism I, babies the satan panic no oh um, i don't know what you're talking about then uh suny previn oh. john lennon and uh rowan polanski I'm 26. Give it to me in give it to me in Star Wars. Well, we'll get there. We'll start by we're going to go to the Dakota, okay. which is an amazing building. I've actually been to the Dakota in New York. It's an amazing building with an amazing history. There's a book called Life of the Dakota. Look it out. The the quick story of the Dakota is it's this crazy apartment building that was built when the Dakota was built. It was in the middle of nowhere. It was built in the 1800s, and it, there's pictures of it where it's it looks like it's it's in it's called the Dakota because it might as well have been in North Dakota. It was in the middle of nowhere when this thing was built, and now it's downtown Manhattan. It's right at the edge of Central Park. Um, it's an amazing ancient building and it's become like this sort of cool, if you're like a cool, you know, art person, you live at the Dakota. If you're an actor or you're a, th- a theater person, you live in this crazy old building. Very hip. It's called it's the, gorgeous. it's called the, the Branford in this movie or whatever. But, uh, right. I think, I think we're looking right now downward at, the, I believe that's the South entrance. You're looking at the point where the plate right here. This is where John Lennon died. This is where he was shot wow. right here. So he, wow. was, he was shot at this entrance, mm-hmm. went in that hallway and, and, and fell down and couldn't go any further and, and so on. So this is where John Lennon lived and, and right there is where, where he died in that entrance. So there's that. Or maybe Mark David Chapman just really hated <laughs> associated that Associated with this story. But it's a fascinating building and a fascinating history, so look it up there. IMDb is quick to point out the hair continuity right here. Because the long shoulders and then a second tie. We hate IMDb. Because apparently she always had the short hair from the get-go and, and most that of the time just it's, a it's a wig the rest of the time until she gets that haircut. Mm. So at some point they're switching to a set because the interior of the Dakota is actually apparently nicer than what you yeah. see here. It's not this run down, but it, they wouldn't let them shoot in the. Yeah, Dakota, you also couldn't so. shoot there because it's it's you know it's a very pricey building that uh, you know with a and it's rent dope. board and all that. So I was surprised rewatching this to find out how funny Rosemary is. She, she is. She's she got really, a lot of really like kind of she's really laconic charming. sort of sardonic lines. She's charming and you really like her. And she goes, she, gosh, you're so much better than everyone you know. You yeah. Know, you're better than your husband. You're better than all your friends. You're really, it's, you know, she's kind of trapped in this kind of like lifestyle that's like, you know, you really deserve better. Yeah. Here's, here's a little bit like when I was saying it was straight from the book. It's like, that's a detail in the book where he kind of jigs it up and down to make it 
totally level level that that's in the book the the guy drilling a peephole there is is in the book polanski literally just there was we, we were talking about this beforehand to to write the screenplay i i, I watched the uh, the documentary on the criterion disc here he said you got a badass over he, here he said he basically just he took the book and he turned it into a screenplay and, but it was like 400 pages long and then he was like so then I had to like trim it down and figure out how to tighten it and that was much more difficult than adapting and I'm sitting there going that is the adapting part yeah. what you did before was just transcribing failure of translation there but um, well, what is interesting I read a review that was a, a contemporary review from the 60s where someone said what's weird is that this is a perfect pairing because and this is their phrasing not mine well paraphrasing Ira Levin deals tremendously in story and there's not a lot of stylistic panache going on in his writing and Roman Polanski is all style and it, I don't think that he would have been able to really come up with yeah, this sort of thing when on his own when you see his own movies that right. he came up with they're, they're much more phantasmagorical and yeah. then what's interesting is he went on to make a, a greater point that sits on top of the shoulders of that previous one which is I don't think if Ira Levin understood all the ramifications and subtleties of what he was writing, he would have been able to write it so self-consciously. Mm. I think he incidentally wrote something that speaks deeper to our fears than even he realized. Mm. And I think you need someone like Polanski who comes in and does it as written, only with a little bit extra emotional juicy yeah. drippiness on it to make it really just sing. Yeah. I, I mean, um, just looking at this at this set, I was really impressed by... Uh, and this goes to the cinematography. It's an amazing certainly. set. It's an amazing set, and it's a, it it's, is amazing. It's the kind of sets they used to build for movies. It's crazy. It's amazing the transformation when she comes in and, and you know, uh, Minnie comes in and she goes, oh, my God, it's so much brighter. And it's like, it really is. Yeah. They do a great job of kind of relighting it and redecorating. And it's it at the same time, it is completely plausible. You look at it and go, okay, I see how the, the change of decoration would have would have had this effect yeah as it's decorated now this is where you expect like donovan to live in indiana jones and then yeah. he yeah. comes in and donovan's got like a big ass brick with writing on it and then he has to do this whole like moving on i was just going to describe the indiana jones sequence to yeah. you but who cares <laughs> who cares armoires are on screen there's also a lot of which is called a secretary apparently i didn't i didn't know that um I was reading when I read the book. It was like there was a secretary up against the wall. Yeah. I'm like, uh, well, a secre- secretary is like a writing desk. They've used an armoire. In the, oh, in the okay. Movie, okay. In the movie, but um, um, secretary is it's got the fold down front and all the drawers. Oh, okay. and all that kind of they stuff. still call it a secretary, but yeah, they have. And this this echoes. This is a touch which it doesn't pay off till till the very end of the movie. They set it up right at the beginning. They don't pay it off to the very end. But the idea that this used to be what is now blocked off and has become a closet with a secret door used to just be a hallway to the rest of the apartment, which right. echoes the, the history of the Dakota itself, because it used to be colossal apartments that over the years have been carved down and carved down and carved down and, sub, and mm-hmm. subdivided and subdivided and subdivided into a lot of oddly shaped different different spaces now. Um, and the servants' quarters, like you could, you know, like in the upper attic sections, there's little tiny, like, you know, Downton Abbey rooms up there for <laughs> servants originally. But, um, you know, so this, this is very, this is completely plausible for the Dakota itself that there would be a closet that if you just knock through it, you're going to be in someone else's hallway because it used to just be a hallway. Whole houses freak me out. Not as yeah. much as old churches. Old churches, I got a thing with old churches. Like, something. Well, those are specifically designed to be like death, am I right? <laughs> so, yeah. Scary, huh? Ooh. They're designed to be awesome and horrifying. But, God, I miss the 60s when everyone smoked everywhere. <laughs> oh. Oh, it was the greatest. They also point out somewhere that I read that during all these street sequences, you can just see people just like looking into the camera, gaping at them like, hey, it's those guys. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The scene later when she walks into traffic isn't staged at all either. Yeah. yeah. Which is interesting. I want that lamb. That lamb looks delicious. Oh, yeah. 
So, Mike, you read the book, eh? I did, yes. Did you enjoy it as a reading experience? And by the way, real quick, before you answer that question, I want to do an aside here. When you listen to an audiobook, can we just agree that we call that reading too? I, I yeah. <laughs> can we just do that? Because it's way easier it for easier. conversational purposes. Yeah. Is Did you enjoy the reading experience of it? Yeah, well, the audio, the particular uh, g- version I got was actually read by Mia Farrow. Ooh. So, does she sing it? No, but she but she does, having, you know basically been the part she she is able to bring a lot of the the emotion and and stuff to it it's like having um, johnny uh, johnny depp read one of hunter s thompson's books yeah so it was an enjoyable reading experience i i one thing that that i got out of it that i think could have been amped up a bit in the movie and probably could have been amped up a bit more in the book too i was i was saying the uh, you know the tension part of it I think there's a there's a satire element as well that is a bit more present in the book, but could be really amped up a lot more. The whole you know Satanists they're just like us, you know, uh, <laughs> but it, but not in a not in a like red panic kind of that could be your neighbor. It's like look, you're freaky. Like they're Satanists, but they act like the the ridiculous. Yeah. Would you old like some tea? Story, yeah. 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 Um, so the Satanists are like Lutherans. Yeah, you know? they just say, hey, "Oh, we're Satanists." Yeah. Exactly. So there's there's like a level of humor there, and there's there's an amount of um, dark humor in, especially in the end. You just kind of you get a little bit of it when she kind of accepts her 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 position as the the mother of the baby. But in the book, there's a whole thing where she's think like she thinks to herself, she's like, "Well." aren't actually that bad they're kind of pretty in a certain light and blah yeah. blah and they're they're all calling the baby something that doesn't happen in in uh the movie she's she constantly refers to the baby as like andrew or susan because she doesn't know if it's a boy or a girl and she gets into that room and they're all calling him adrian that explains that hey, they're because saying, in all the sequels that happen which we'll talk about later there his name is andy and yeah, yeah. she they're saying hail adrian and and she goes no his name is andrew they're like we're gonna call him adrian she's like no you're not i'm his mother and i get to decide what his name is his, his name, name is, is Optimus Prime. His name is Andrew, and so they're they're starting to argue, and Minnie just goes, "Well, hail Andrew!" <laughs> like she's just fine, fine. If that's all it takes, then hail Andrew. Um, that's so, kind of adorable. Yeah. So there's there's a there's a weird, uncomfortable humor to it that that, like you said, there it is present here. She is she is you know fun to watch and and amusing, and and that also makes it you know sad and more horrifying that these things are happening to her. Um, but throughout there's kind of a, a, that aspect that, that did get a little bit maybe lost in the, in the translation. I know Ruth Gordon from this and Harold and Maude. Yes. And what's interesting is I, I, I just adore her in Harold and Maude. Now she's over the top and super eccentric and adorable in Harold and Maude. Yeah. But she won the the Oscar Oscar for this. this And you know, I don't, it, it seems really disrespectful to like question that sort of a thing, but Mia Farrow was told by Bob Evans when, <laughs> yeah. when uh, there's take a thing this, that, that happened in this in the in the course of shooting we'll talk about later. But she was about to leave, and he was like, "You're gonna get nominated, and you're gonna win an Oscar for this role. Just stick around." And she didn't get nominated, much less win. And Ruth Gordon nominated and won. And what's weird is I don't see as much of what Ruth Gordon is doing, Oscar worthy sort of stuff. Not over the top, just whatever she's doing that like, is intense. I, I can see it. I, I can see I, it being creepy, but not Oscar. But she, I, but I think Mia Farrow I think, is killing I think it. It's, I think it's unfortunate that Mia Farrow didn't get nominated. Yeah, because yeah, I think, I think Mia Farrow is destroying this movie. She's great, but I, Ruth Gordon is like she's giving a very. You just you have to watch the little details of what she does. What I love about Ruth Gordon, and you can see it in Harold and Maude as well, is uh, go to Ruth Gordon. I've, I can't stress this enough. Go to Ruth Gordon's Wikipedia page. There's a picture of her from 1919. 
She was born before the turn of the century. Um, Ruth Gordon is what happens when a manic pixie dream girl becomes elderly. That's what they turn into. They turn into her because that's what she was. She was in 1919. There's a picture of her where she was like 20 something years old. She's got a monocle. She's, ex- she's <laughs> eccentric as all hell. She was a hipster. Yeah, she was a hipster in 1919. Oh, wow. Yep, yeah, there, there it is. Is that awesome? <laughs> Can I see it? Yeah. Isn't that the greatest picture ever? 1919. <laughs> You would totally date that, wouldn't you? Admit it. <laughs> Seriously, Wiki Ruth Gordon right now. I would totally date that. We all before would. We, before we get too far away from it, the scene that just happened. Yeah. Hey, Laura Beth's here. <laughs> yeah, just jump was in. Was gorgeous, We're just by the keep way. Going. Yeah. I know. I, I, I should have stepped in I you was going to say, you know, but, like, um, you know, lighting but, and stuff like that. You got to throw yeah, an elbow. That, I, mean, I mean, how much can you speak to, okay, it's 1967. Yeah. What's the technology? I mean, big Panavision cameras? What are they shooting this on? Or, you know, what, what do you know about well, that? Well, um... Well, for 1967, we are, this would have been part of the, the push to obviously go on location. I mean, they, even in the, even in the studio environment, um, when they built their stage, they still, um, the cameras, are very cameras, free. cameras are now smaller. Yes. They, they started out very small and without sound and then they became giant fucking behemoths with sound. And, uh, and now we're. We're back to hooray! We can go jump in a car and we can do things. There's a lot of handheld so, in this. Yeah. In this and a movie. lot of wonders. Mm-hmm. A lot of wonders yeah. in this movie. Like we're, like we're starting one right one now. now. Indeed. <clears throat> but that scene where they were sitting on the they're sitting on the floor right before um, they decide to try to have a baby, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we watch them <laughs> on the hardwood floor. And then it's so fantastic. Hardcore. We watch them. It just holds as they yeah. awkwardly undress, which yeah. I kind of. I yeah. enjoy. It's a, it's a, it's a scene that. you don't get anymore nowadays. You, don't. you, you never get that. You don't. They're, they're, they're so great. They're so great. But um, but you know, it's it's gorgeous with the silhouette, and it's so subtle and so simple. The back cross key created by the the lamp and the <laughs> you and the, back the windows. Cross. Day, I do love every, a back every cross time I see a back cross. I just I, I do you're in my freaking brain key. with it's, that back uh, cross. Pardon me. What's the back cross key? Please enlighten everyone about the back cross. The back cross key. It's um. Sounds like a dance. It's a really. Well, it's like it's a it's a little building block. It's one it's one step towards lighting a scene and pretty much like it's uh, this one's Kinda, got one yeah, too right now we were looking at the back cross key here a little bit it's it, pretty much anytime you've got two people looking at each other if you've got one light behind one person one light behind the other person but the so the, the two lights are backlights for both people but then they also happen to be key lights for the opposite person oh and it's and and i mean it's in every sitcom it's in um you know and in, in sitcoms you add a bunch of other lights and it's just real bright and but but everybody's so it's basically, distinguished from the background and they've got light on their face. It's basically like you set up the shot so that whatever is person on right's key light is mm-hmm. basically just doing like a rim lighty backlight thing yes. on the other person exactly. and vice versa. And then, and then the opposite. So in the extreme yeah. dramatic version of it, their foreground is very dark. Right. And they're kind of get, just barely get a rim light silhouette of their face on the far side mm-hmm. from the camera. Which we basically like they, saw when they were sitting down at the, uh, here we are. for dinner. The tans- here it is. Yeah, there's oh. a little bit here. I mean, this is Our Lady with the Big Hair on the right. She's yeah, um, big hair's big hair. I went more. to that yeah, church too. Yeah. yeah, Our Lady of the Big Hair. <laughs> Our Lady of the Big Hair. Yeah. Um, she's she doesn't have a whole lot of back of of the cross key, but well, she does. It's just but the on, hair. on Mia Farrow though, you can see it pretty. It's yeah, she's really pronounced. The, she's got the back and she's got the front, and and that light is also hitting our other player on the right side. That's cool. I'd never, I've never heard that term nor thought about it in those terms yeah, before. But that's really yeah. cool. And it's, you know, it's not, it's not a style. It's, it's literally it's like, yeah, it's just a little tool because you can, you can have anything from from a noir to, um, to a sitcom. Interesting. Yeah. Jumping over to the plot for a second, this it's never completely spelled out. I don't know if if, if it's spelled out more in the book, but 
this chick here was originally supposed to be the receptacle yeah. and something went wrong. Does the book ever specify? It doesn't, it doesn't specify any more than this. Is it's it just, she, she found out she and found said out, no way. She found out too early. <laughs> she and, noped the fuck out. Yeah, yeah. She said, I'm out of here. And, and the end. So then, then, so which, which brings Cause you, the, cause you hear many going, you shouldn't have told her, you knew she yeah. wouldn't be open-minded, which blah, blah, brings blah. up the parallel question of at what point, And the movie never specifies at what point does guy get on board? Cause obviously guy gets on board and becomes part of this. You know, like he, he sells well, out his a, own wife. There's a dinner party, right? Or something? Probably at some point. It's, it's like, a little. Yeah, after I think they the get dinner. invited. I think it's. I think it's when uh, there's a point when when uh, Guy and Roman are in the other room, and the women have gone off, and That's and right. that uh, that That's other. That's they come back, and there's sort of a guy has a oh kind yeah. of moment. Yeah, and you know the way the wiki explains it actually makes more like when you hear it said to you, it makes more sense reading it, which is. Um, Rosemary is finding these old people kind of aloof and funny and kind of awkward and imposing. And Guy is being the guy who's all like hanging out with Roman all the time and all that. Yeah. And when you hear that, it's like, oh, right. That was happening the whole time. She thought they were kind of creepy the whole time. And he was oh, OK. Well, she but like that. That's that clearly starts at some point. Yeah. Well, because because he doesn't want he, he's very clear. He's like, oh, God, I don't want to start a relationship with these people. We're never going to get them out of our life. I hate and that and that totally sw- switches at a certain point and he's hanging out with them yeah. all the time so and Rosemary defending them yeah. and Rosemary justifies it as they're the parents like he never had yeah, like a and father so figure. He, he really he, he took them on and she's happy for him she's she's glad that he's that's dismissive on that, Rosemary's but. part though could it be that Roman has like really good bourbon or something like or that, seems, that seems, <laughs> Roman seems like the kind of guy they, that they has like, their own herbs. like a nice library oh. or a stateroom with a big globe and then it's like the Sky Mall globe where you open it and there's a bunch of booze inside of it and yeah. he's got cigars I'll bet you Roman yeah. has a lot of cigars and probably some really ancient porn that's kind of cool good old Porn, yeah. Sumerian, if possible, Scrabble, <laughs> yeah, Scrabble. This, these outfits are quite something. My gosh, yeah. that's actually how Ruth Gordon was dressing in 1919. <laughs> that's, yeah, pretty much. She looks the same. Um, which, which that whole that whole part of it. I mean, to me, that's one of the more fascinating things that that never they never make a big big deal of it. But that's a huge thing. Rosemary's own husband sold her to the devil yeah. in exchange for like fame and fortune for his career. Yeah. And, and you know, damn honey, that was harsh, you know, that, and, and the fact that, uh, you know, it's that at what point did he, did he switch and, and start working for the other team is not even clear because you can't really tell from any specific thing that he does other than his behavior slowly starts to change. It's actually, it's actually interesting because, Whenever you get the story, you know, the story of Faust or whatever, I mean, he's selling his own soul, but it's also a trope that you're selling your firstborn child to the devil for fame and fortune. So it's like Guy is the normal version of the of that movie, and Rosemary's Baby decided, th- this movie decides, well, what about the the yeah, mother of the child who had no input yeah. into that decision? Like, what is she going through? Mrs. Faust. Yeah, when, when you're selling, when the ma- the male is selling his firstborn child to the devil, what what is her experience of that? And that's what this film is about. A while back, and I haven't done anything with this yet, but I wrote a song about Faust from the perspective of Faust. And it was really catchy. It was like, allowst me to introduce me. My name is Faust C, and I'm willing to make you a deal. Actually, this, this scene, this, a steal. I'm looking at this scene as kind of answering the question I asked earlier is because look at the way Ruth Gordon just reacts. Because this, this is the meeting. This is yeah. the, the, meeting. the oh, way she's, she's like, the yeah. way she's like looking at Rosemary like, uh huh. Like, well, oh, there's, well, there's, there's like nuance yeah. to her performance. I don't disagree with that at all. But there's, but there's not like, there's not like. No, no, I'm not talking about the Oscar. I'm talking about at what point do they target uh, Rosemary? I yeah. think we just saw it. Oh, yeah. I see. Okay. I think it yeah. was just like, oh, you know, crap. We lost our our donor. Oh, hello but there. Who's this? Who just moved into the building? Who looks perfectly fertile and perfect? Hello, Farrell. I, 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 but as as far as the Oscar uh, bit goes, 
Um, I think part of it, it might be because of the familiarity with the book. Because like I said, this the, the movie is straight up the book. So the fact that her dialogue, it's it seems so natural the way she put yeah. she seems like she's improvising it as the crazy old yeah. lady next door which is but it is literally word for word what is in the book and she is yeah. bringing it to she, life and she, making she's it work shakespearing this now book. Yeah. okay this is an be question coming up these dream sequences boy if you hadn't read the book you, yeah i know it's really these <laughs> what i love about these dream sequences they're not they're not shot in any kind of phantasmagorical way they're yeah. shot in a very matter of fact you know home movie kind of a way yeah. but um but they're again they're right out of the book and yeah. they including the at the time Jackie Jackie Kennedy yeah. and John Kennedy imagery and all that that's very strange. But I've had the I've had dreams exactly like this. I know what it's like when you're hearing something and your brain is like, "Okay, just going to incorporate that into whatever." Hold that on in there. Yeah. But there's the one later where they're going to go. I love this. That's a great introduction. Oh, here's another here's another continuity thing that IMDb people love. But I love I love the, the, the hair was in front like, of the scarf. Now the scarf is in front of the hair. Holding oh holding God. a gigantic ring in front of the the camera to yeah. to get that effect. But sorry. Go but on. later they later they're going to have those exterior shots that are very grainy and so on. And I, I, is that I'm just sort of getting a pre when asking in advance cinematography wise the is that exterior shots that are grainy for the dream sequences when they're on the boat and all that kind of stuff there's a definite different look to those I mean I don't, you know, I don't have an answer for that I'm going to have to we'll to check it up when, when they when they get it, there but, but, it looks, why are they but I should I should that, that's my question that's the question well there's a cinematography well here and there's clearly right, cinematography right. going no, on no I just didn't right. hear the question mark anywhere in your paragraph why is it grainy the question no it's I understand why things are grainy I just Specifically, just, which what is the technique that was achieved was, it, was, was used, used there? That was my question. So, but I, but we should we should definitely mention that William Fraker was the yeah, cinematographer, yeah, which is I didn't even, I'd completely forgotten yeah. that Fraker shot and, this. Um, Fraker he, was one of the famous cinematographers when there were very few famous cinematographers. Right. What else? What else he was a big he, deal. Well, and he he was nominated for five Oscars. Yeah. He did not win Damn. any, but he was given a Lifetime Achievement Award what are by the ASC. And he, and he has the, unfortunately, he only directed one movie, which was the first bomb, Lone Ranger, which was really oh. sad. Mm. Um, the one that no one even knows exists anymore, but uh, that was his big directing debut. He shot a lot of Westerns. He was kind of shot famous. Shot Tombstone. For, shot Tombstone. That's true. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I know him especially because in my USC cinema class was William Fraker Jr., uh, ah. Who? When, so I had the I had the Super Eight class with William Fraker Jr. William Fraker Jr. would come in with Super Eight movies that looked like goddamn Panavision. Of course, it was annoying as hell. And his dad <laughs> knew everybody in town, so his Super Eight movies would star like Keenan Wynn <laughs> and be like, "Jesus, Bill, what you making us all?" I you know, my roommates in mine talking about Granny, you know, and I'm shooting it out. You know, with, I've got a light bulb and two candles, and I'm like at a Super Eight camera, and he's bringing in these movies that are just exquisitely shot and it's like oh Jesus Bill have you got like an entire grip truck in your garage yeah, pretty much interesting this movie <laughs> you, you, you see a lot of the setups happening more the second time oh yeah how desperate yeah. she really is right now I'd be like well, she's like what's he do he's an actor he hasn't been in any movies yet why don't you come up for dinner yeah no yeah. it's no trouble please, yeah, please, I, please I've please. never spotted and it and if you don't either. come we'll be sad because this is our first night alone please come yeah like she's dragging them it's up like there. They've immediately they've immediately changed targets and they're immediately at work on, on you know, making this happen. I want to talk about the the, the look here in this room okay. too. I mean, this is yeah. again moody, interesting, not you know not typical. Um, certainly for for. St- How would this typically be lit? Stuff on, on studio like like well, friends. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean like friends. There you go. Um, I remember reading that that 
William Fraker specifically um, was trying to, they made a thing of it. I guess, you know, he had been in the studio system for a while and apparently this was his first non, or at least was one of the first non-studio. And so he was, he felt a little strange about having more freedom on this Mm. picture than he had had. Um, But one of the opportunities, he said, I was reading something where, Roman Polanski was was talking about how they didn't have big meetings. They just maybe chatted a little bit at lunch about the look or whatever was going on. Um, and they just kind of like made it up as they went. But one of the things they decided to do just because they could was make every room in the house look different. And and out of that goal, you can see here they're, they're trying to make sure that you don't go to all the... I mean, in a sitcom or just in a, a typical studio picture, every room might have the same kind of you know, that cross key yeah. everywhere the actor would land, et cetera. But here, you know, the kitchen is where all the light is. This room clearly has lights on it, has lights in it, but the the net effect here is not that they've got a bunch of lamps on. It feels incidental. You know? Yeah, it, it feels it feels like it's coming from the other room. It feels like, yeah, it feels like it's coming from the kitchen, from the window, mm-hmm. from the other room. And, the, you know, there's there's a, almost ostentatiously, there's a light lamp in the background right. that is Off. not lit. Yes, yeah. yes. The bo- boldly letting a lamp have a shadow because <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. not on. Something else <laughs> yeah. is lighting that. Yeah. And, you know, and today we we wouldn't quite accept the the shadows quite like that. We have different, different types of units. Um, and just, gosh, we hold... We hold the visuals to such a different standard today. Yeah, but by any standard, this is still like, is great. Is the divi- yeah. was the division of labor between the cinematographer and their team and all the camera ops and everything different in the sixties than it is now? Because these days, it's it can be any of like several configurations. Was it more one thing or another at that point, or is it oh, always for been- sure? For sure, this was much more regimented. But even today, I mean, certainly it's still union shows are still you you do what you are meant to do, and and somebody will yell at you if you do anything else. But um, but one of the things that's exciting about the revolution that we've been in for God, I don't know, ten, fifteen years now, um, is more and more people are. Y- you have to be a jack of all trades, and yeah. I think I think that's a much more interesting way and useful way, and ultimately, um, just more successful and satisfying way to do things, where you let people cross over and and you don't yell at someone because they happen to be the closest one to do the job first. Right. Tell me, this guy doesn't have a globe full of booze. <laughs> Look at this. This guy bought all of Sky Mall. He I'm does. telling you. I'm, tell- I, he's, I'm telling you, he's got really ancient porn. You know he does. I'll Look bet at- you he has elephant tusks on the opposite wall that you can't see. Yeah. yeah. But, but Maybe like a know. wooden airplane Look propeller. Look at this again. He's actually sitting in a lot of light. There's a lamp right next to him. There's there's lighting all around him. And yet his face is in this right. slash of shadow. Right. He you know? sat into that shadow yeah. all over his face. It's it's an important thing. You know, I mean, Which, when- so yeah, story and character wise is actually an important uh, uh, little hint. Absolutely. It's always the, you know, the question of do you see someone's eyes? eyes you know almost always you do in fact you almost always want an eye light but if someone if you don't have an eye light or if you don't see someone's eyes you are telling the audience that they are a bad person or Uh they're scary not to be trusted and that's an important tool is there any other sort of almost ubiquitous tricks like that in the lighting world where if you can't see their light you think they're literally shady at best (laughs) like right off the bat is there anything else like that where you can affect the way someone will perceive a character just by how they're lit oh sure sure i mean um, I mean, if we if we just look at it the other way, um, by um, you know, with with the quality of light, something with hard shadows or or very soft light that has very soft shadows or no shadows, um, you can tell the audience how to think about the person. Should they um, is is a, a a man with hard hard angles on his face, or hard shadows on his face, rugged and strong. But by the same token, if we 
if we have a really, really soft light directly over the camera pointed straight at the woman and the woman has no, has not a wrinkle or shadow anywhere, um, then that's, that's just beauty. That's the angel. I see. Interesting. We, we also have, um, you know, kind of talking about the difference between modern cinematography and, and this, Mm -hmm. um, in general, this is this is a much harder lighting scheme than For you sure. see these days, um, and and in some ways yeah. because we're trying to get the the sense of kind of darkness underlying, and so they the shadows get get nice and right. deep and stuff like that. But but also because they didn't, they that's all they had. They just had very hard lighting to to work with, and and uh, the the best cinematographers could balance it and bounce it and and soften it that way, but they were still working with the same kind of hard right. You're light still, sources. It's it's a couple of things. I mean, I think the biggest thing actually is perspective. Mm-hmm. It's after all after a hundred years now, and and some changes in technology, and certainly film stocks oh, yeah. becoming so much faster. And then and now, of course, our our chips are almost as fast as the film stocks were. Um, it, all of that allows you to start using softer and softer light. And, and I think just over time, people start focusing more and more on those shadows. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but it's, it is interesting that even the, the best looking movies from back then, um, have hard shadows that we wouldn't, we wouldn't accept today. I yeah. mean, the, the conformist, <laughs> which is, which is, you know, an amazing and uh, heralded film. Yeah has has like horrendous camera operation in it by today's standards you but i mean it's horrible that i even just said i think right there is probably the that's, where yeah he, that's that's where the, the pitch is going the, yeah. on right there he planted the bug in his ear but roman's not on board yet yeah i think is or, or rather guy. guy guy's not on board yet yeah. sorry he's but, like you want me to what yeah what now sorry to interrupt i was just that was just yeah, because yeah. afterwards he's still like mocking them and oh, yeah. the cake was terrible and so i am now you know that i'm watching it because we're talking about it i am struck by the the complexity of the lighting schemes that are yeah. going on because there's these huge vistas with so many sources. Like, you know, there's a room that's still light spilling out of that room and there's a window that's open and the God Romans, Romans apartment with 10 wall sconces in the background of every shot is right. You know, and they, they walk, I mean that hallway, they just walked down. Yeah, you know, you was, think that's, was, Oh, they just went down a dark hallway, except there were like 12 lights set up to <laughs> yeah, create was, the, 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 really the very important something. texture of things coming in sideways. And then, and then, um, perhaps most important the light on the back wall that was the separation so that even though they went through the darkness of the hallway you could still tell what they were doing they were mm-hmm. moving through that's that that was something that definitely struck me we'll we'll see it later um that the difference when um when she finds out she's pregnant and and Minnie and roman come in and there's they walk the entire length of the the hallway in darkness mm-hmm. basically there's there's almost no light at all when they when they do that walk they're just basically silhouettes, um, but that's a little way off. <clears throat> but I, that that was a moment that, um, in watching it and and mm-hmm. not even thinking that hard about like I'm paying more attention to the cinematography now than I was in watching it. But that mm-hmm. definitely struck me. Well, is it time to talk about the troubled history of Roman Polanski? I guess <laughs> at so. some point we should did probably we, did we get talk, into that because talking about a guy who's had, had a kind of a hard Chinatown road. We talked about it a little on Chinatown, I'm guessing. Yeah, he European director didn't come from the studio system, and this was his first foray into what was ah, the equivalent for him of the Hollywood studio system, where a yeah. lot of the crew was coming off like, "God, oh, this is like an indie ass movie." Look at yeah, this. Yeah, well, it's, it's produced, you know, produced by William Castle, Mister B Movie Guy. Yeah, 
um, you know, used to do. Who wanted to direct it himself. Yeah, William Castle is a guy who, you know, came up with the idea that, you know, a skeleton on a string comes out over the screen and, whoa, and buzzers in your seats for the tingler and things like that. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. the, for him to do this, he was, he was Corman before Corman was around because Castle was doing his stuff in the 40s. Just to... Uh, I love uh, this character. Yeah, plot-wise, plot I Glasses believe this amazing. is when... This is when Rome, uh, Guy comes over. This is when... Because Guy is over at their place right now. She chose to stay home, but Guy's over at oh, their place. Oh, that's right. He went over And now there. the women have come over to keep her occupied so she doesn't interrupt <laughs> while the sale is <laughs> they being just, closed. They just plunk themselves down and start their knitting. It, it is it's, it's, it's an unspoken sort of weird comedy that... The Satanists, yeah, the Satanists aren't like, you know, Twilight, ooky spooky, like, oh, hello. There's a bunch of old biddies and old yeah. men and, you know, the Satan, apparently Satan worshiping is not really as popular as it used to be. It's kind of on its way out. So they're trying to kind of revive the brand a little bit, you know, and good for them. I wonder if this movie was made today, if there would be a parallel structure going on as opposed to just following Rosemary, if it would be watching all they'd be doing a compare and contrast sort of back and forth between the two storylines of Rosemary doing this and then guy doing that and his life getting better and all this stuff. And you almost don't notice that he's totally ignoring Rosemary while Rosemary's over here doing all this stuff, unable to notice anything else. And then it's just, it comes to this head where there's this horrifying showdown between Rosemary and guy and they have a big ass fight and all that stuff. I wonder if that's more what the movie that would get made or the story that would get told now as opposed to this. I greatly prefer this to that. I would prefer yeah. this. Because yeah. this is like the interesting subversion of what would be, in that case, a very hackneyed plot. of the surprises plot. the movie has is that her husband wasn't just being obtuse. He was in on it, is, is one of the reveals. Yeah, that that's another thing has. that I, I think doesn't age particularly well, because with Mad Men and everything else, and just, I, I don't know, the existence of culture versus counterculture over the course of 45 years, you don't know for sure if Guy is being 1968 shitty or 1968 <laughs> normal. Yeah. Like, I don't, yeah, like I don't know if because he's being like misogynist and dismissive the whole time. But I don't know if that's because he's extra douche or like just no. That's just what it was. That's what you were expected to be as a man. Yeah. The anyway. So so jumping back to Polanski again. And <laughs> speaking of what you're expected to be as a man, which, yeah, not this yeah, or not. Yeah, the, the um, you know, and it's a touchy area. But uh, again, it's what we're saying, or I was saying earlier that this movie has a chi- also carries with it a whole lot of freight of tragedy and scandal which is nothing to do with the movie but is the movie's kind of the nexus of a lot of tragedy and scandal so you know Roman Polanski first of all you have to he, you know when he was a child he lived he survived the Warsaw ghetto in, in World War II that's you know that, that's how he started that ain't no scrape that's not that's not a pretty story right there you know managed to get out of that become a filmmaker in Poland and, and so on get this you were saying get this movie um, and things are going great now he's got a beautiful young wife Miss Sharon Tate um, oh, you know, and uh, and so on, and uh, you know, this movie comes out in a huge hit, and then about a year later, um, that happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, after Skelter and all that, that well, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> and it's weird that there's a Beatles connection that comes full yeah. circle, mm-hmm. but um, you know, so so the you know the idea that you know that's that's his wife was killed by Charles Manson, you guys, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and just helping. That's yeah, if you. <laughs> You haven't heard about that story? You can go look it up, go but, read Helter Skelter. But, it is uh, terrifying. About a year after this is but when uh, the, the Manson family killed Polanski's wife and several other people at Polanski's house, and Polanski just didn't happen to be there at the time. Yeah, it's okay. But after that, Polanski's life kicked ass the rest of the then, time. And then things went great after yeah. that. So, so first of all, like I said, I mean, you know, and boy, you know, I'll, I'll be ostracized from Twitter for saying these things just for just for raising the topic. <laughs> it's, oh the, it's the Louis C.K. You know, of course, but maybe. Uh, <laughs> The idea of, you know, 
give the guy a little break for making some poor choices uh, later in his life. Um, but then, uh, unfortunately, you know, after that, it was it was many years after that. It wasn't immediately after that. Then there was the statutory rape scandal where he, he had sex with a 13-year-old um, who was willing. Um, it was her parents who freaked out. So that's why it's called statutory rape and not the other kind. But um, did you have you have you read her her account of it? Yeah, she gives the real details. It's, like it's creepy, but like you know, I, it's I, like I knew sweetie, it was bad, know. but my body. Yeah, it's like well, my mind is telling me no. But, oh, but even God. now, uh, I mean, uh, it it's worth pointing out that because there was the whole extradition and people are and he still can't come back he, to the he, U.S. because yeah, he'll be arrested. Right. America, and he, he and arrested. wait, real quick, was her angle when she said I knew it was bad? Was she's like I knew it was lawfully bad, or she's like I knew I didn't want this to happen? Bad. Like like she, like I was thirteen. Yeah, and had sex twice okay. or at once, yeah. like but, like that, like, like okay. <laughs> but at the same, but like Miley the, Cyrus, okay, yeah, yeah. like exactly. Miley Cyrus. But at the same time, she she looks at it and goes, "It now, you know, there 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 are people who have been through that experience and went, that was wrong, and they're they're like, you know, it, I didn't realize it at the time, but now I'm upset, and you know, right. that guy was all, and and she basically says, it was wrong, shouldn't have happened. He was the grown up, he should have known better, but." I've moved on. Let's all move on. <laughs> yeah, so you know. And at the yeah. time, she was willing. You know, she was willing to just kind of go. Well, I, I think I did a dumb thing, like you know, yeah. like a, like wrecking the car or whatever. But but her parents found out, yeah. and that's when it became yeah. a, a legal thing. Yeah. So again, none of that good. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> not condoning <laughs> it. But then there are people like Roman Blansky. He you know he abducted a young girl and raped her. It was like eh, not quite that either. That's not quite what happened either. And you know when you get into the whole issue of age of consent things get very dicey you know it's like you can go to jail in california for the person you could have married in louisiana so it's well and i I it's a a gray area he had just started like publicly dating someone who was 15 well nasasha kinski was after that or before that i I think yeah it was like right it was like two months he did test with nasasha kinski when she was like 15 or 16 yeah which is legal in half the country anyway. And uh, people were just getting alarmed to get ahead of it because just the intervals were getting freaky because the next one would have been 11. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, Roman, stop. Or would it have been, you know, we're going to yeah. dip this in the bud right if now. We're going to, we're going to be, we're going to be biology, biology types. Then, you know, Hey, as soon as you're capable of having children, nature says you're supposed to start. So, you know, it's like, it's society. We've decided what Truth. this arbitrary age is where you're not supposed to do it until then. Well, so we've also decided you should probably like wear pants and not, kill each other and stuff exactly (laughs) wear pants but but do we really need to wear pants i'm wearing wearing shorts and my evil this (laughs) speaking of pregnancy the point is that we have arbitrarily decided these things speaking of pregnancy across the border uh, and they'll be arbitrarily decided differently laura beth will you do me a favor and and speak for all women real quick is there something i'm so glad we have is there something something extra horrifying about this that guys might not be so quick to pick up on with the Pregnancy is what it is. It's a known quantity. But add Antichrist to that and people trying to steal my baby stuff. Does that hit you harder, even as someone with or without kids oh at any God. age? Is that, huh. Or is it just am equally I, horrifying for am everyone? Am I the best sampling of women and babies? <laughs> no, I want, you to, I want you to speak comprehensively for all women Trey on the record. Trey is laughing the loudest. You're our best sampling. Of <laughs> <laughs> I, I um, think you're, you're, yeah, no, please uh, go on. I mean, I don't imagine know. there is because I think, I think we all get it enough, but it's possible that I just don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. So I thought I'd ask. Yeah. All right. I don't know. I don't know that there's anything. I mean, like yes, there's got to be something that's that's special and unique because I mean, I mean the the thought mm. of uh, the 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 idea of <laughs> the antichrist, the idea of awesome. having you know the, the spawn of Satan growing inside of you. Yeah. Yes, I think that is probably something that women <laughs> have a, 
are going to be able to connect with that the fear of that right. a little more so. Than Not that it's plausible, men. but it's totally but, implausible for dudes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like it's right. <laughs> Imagine how scary that would be, though. But, well, well, it's like if Satan. It's, it's like, like it's, it's like, like twin, if or it's <laughs> well, no. Well, well, oh shit, junior. Twin, junior. It's like junior, junior. Yeah. but with Satan. I almost said twins. You know no, what, it's like if, if the Antichrist was growing in your balls. Yeah. <laughs> right. Imagine the Antichrist is growing in your balls. Speaking as a man. But but you know what though um, that is kind of horrifying. Let's let's look at the context of this movie, or even even now. Um, this is a, a movie about a woman. Uh huh. It sure is. Okay, can we just break that out? <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> How many of those do we have? Well, um, less a, than the other. Here's the, the thing: we can speak to this because we have, we have we have witnessed it. None of us have personally experienced it. But I do I, I do know I can say from from my observations that after you, it after you have had kids. Um, male or female scenes like this will will read differently because Eddie will now react. He's claimed he's told sure. us yeah. that he reacts differently to like a child in jeopardy in a movie. Before that was like ah what like Spielberg is like right. oh I don't like the guns of the kids that freaks me out now because now I have kids. Right. Whereas when I was a 20, 20 something single guy I was like ah it's an adventure movie what do you want yeah if I could shoot him yeah but right. uh, you know the, the people who had kids suddenly. You know, especially children, children in jeopardy, because literally, you know, physically and emotionally and chemically, your body has changed Some to protect switched, kids. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're, you're, you you will die now. You'll throw yourself on railroad tracks like an idiot to, <laughs> to protect a child. Whereas I don't have that problem. Right. You know, good luck, kid. I couldn't believe Eddie, on, like on, on, our, on that episode of Documentality. We were talking. We did Dear Zachary. Like we had to watch and kind of research oh, Dear man. Zachary a little bit. Yeah, and, and I couldn't I could, believe Eddie would do that. I could barely yeah. listen to that episode. I was yeah. like, no, that's it's, that movie movie upsets me too much yeah yeah well the, it was the trauma i mean trifecta. Yeah. Dear zachary is a gut punch you know for me and i you know i don't even have kids you know but uh but i imagine you know yeah but that's and then eddie is like god dude you just had a baby boy <laughs> yeah that's how right. do you do that i mean that's gonna just make you insane so well now gray's like so two i don't and a half. I, I think it's you know i don't know if you, to read your original question i don't know if it's like women innately understand any more than a man does but i think if you have had kids you would you know react differently to the whole idea sure. of of that, if you've actually been through that experience, I mean, there's there's probably an element of I mean, there's the there's the fact that she is raped by by Satan or, or and uh, you know to an extent, mm-hmm. even when she thinks that's a dream, she still kind of was by her husband. Yeah. It, it, you know, if 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 we just call that a dream, even the um, good version of this is bad. Yeah, and then and then there's there's the fact that it's like there's the constant violation of having you know right. the spawn of satan inside you it's like there was a violation to start it and then for the next nine months it is a continued violation yeah, envelope of, of violation you're you know well and like body. you guys said she's she's clever she's a she's like she's an attractive funny woman who um who i guess maybe is living in the dream in the 60s with yeah. her husband and, and there's to never any indication that she but, has any kind of career of any kind yeah. is there right. or, or, well no. and and has she done anything wrong yeah has she, she hasn't done anything that's, that's right right and and so she's, and so that she's done think, everything she's supposed to right and, and so so that actually psychologically that might actually be as a woman have been have been part of what's so scary about mm-hmm. all this is that this is a woman's story well, you know, like you said, the guy just goes off. We have no idea what he's doing for most of the time. No. And um, and we're watching her through no fault of her own, just being completely go through this horror that no one will listen to yeah. her about. 
Exactly. She's she that yeah the the pithy version is she's living the dream and it turns out to be a nightmare. Yeah, right. Exactly. And you know and can Not we so can we also mention the fact that she was served divorce papers halfway through this movie? There's, yeah. In fact, there's a specific scene where it happens supposedly. Yeah. Which which uh, scene is it's it? It's the scene it's, where she's crying in the kitchen with her girlfriends, which actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Oh, but okay. um, they were but yeah, blocking that scene when she got the papers and Polanski's like, "We're gonna stop for the day." And she's like, "No, she's we're like, gonna, no, nothing's right. wrong. We're gonna I'm do this. totally using that." This. Is and, so and, fantastic. And we should mention that these divorce papers were from Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Mia Farrow. Uh, he had told her she could have no career. You know, you yeah. know what? There, he I didn't think want her to do this movie. He, so wanted, her to do, he, wanted, her, he wanted her to do The Detective. Yeah. Yeah, and she right. said, "I'm not going to do that. I'm doing this movie." Because, because, because the producer told me, because Bob Evans told me, I'd win the, I'd win the Oscar. Wait, JFK? That was supposed yeah, he, to be. It was JFK, and then he turns into Morris Evans. Morris Evans, by the way, it's spelled Maurice, but apparently it was called Maurice. Morris um, is. Uh, you probably know him best. You just wouldn't recognize him. It's Doctor Zayas. Ah. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Don't go out there, Taylor. Dr. Zayas. not like what you find. They, they, they are doing an interesting thing on the boat now that you... Now now, that you no, we're getting to the scene that I was talking about, because it, it's definitely got a different look to it. It almost feels like... It, they're almost doing a day for night thing, it feels like. Like, it's it's it seems like it's supposed to be daylight, but they've also darkened it in a weird way. Yeah, like it the pushed somehow? Are you talking about what we were just looking at? Yeah. There'll be more of it in a sec. Okay. I mean, this whole scene, obviously, is going to be in and out of that, that dream right. sequence. Yeah, so like so this... Mm-hmm. It's it's you know the 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 contrast and stuff is this trying to be day for night is it I mean, and I and I think that uncertainty is supposed to be I'm I'm going to give it to them okay. as being supposed to be part of the the you know well, the weirdness of the dream state yeah my 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 first thought here my first assumption is that this would have just been pushed it just would have been either I don't know when they came out with eight hundred with the, the eight hundred film stock yeah. but um but if you if you shot 320 which is my guess i i do not know what stock this was on but um but if you shot it and then just uh, you underexposed it by two stops and then left it in the bath long enough to develop it two stops further um it would yield a result similar Mm. you'd have grainier image now, now would they, would they have to... done that deliberately, or would yes. they have just not had an option? To... Um, well, there uh, that looked like full sun. That did not look like right. like yeah. it was yeah. late. So that would have been a deliberate choice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Is this... Either they didn't do any bounce or anything because it was very high contrast. You know that they were, and even the even the background was kind of underexposed, but the foreground was was very black. Right. So it's, this is not the Sistine Chapel. No. No. No, that's the that's the set. It trans it it transitions from the set, uh, from from her bedroom to looking up at the Sistine Chapel and moving underneath the imagery, cool. yeah. and then she's and then through the closet. So you you're getting the she's she's in the weird kind it's of like an eternal state. sunshine sort of gag. Yeah. yeah, because she because she only she only ate half of the mouse, yeah, which so was supposed she's to supposed, knock she's her supposed out. to be completely out, but she's not. But she's, she's, she was supposed to be a dead mouse. Yeah, so she, but she's she's half. She's half in and half out, so she's kind of getting it, but it's in a weird dream state. Skrillex got it. It's, this is one of the <laughs> this is one of the few dream sequences in the movie that I, that really feels like a dream feels. Yeah, I mean, it's really quite interesting the way they did. We this. talked about it in Eternal Sunshine that it would have been cool had Inception tried to be something else if they had done more stuff like Eternal Sunshine yeah. to indicate the dream stuff because this oh, sort Jesus of Jesus Christ, this sort of yeah, <laughs> that's about, an image. Talk about your worst you nightmare. Just a bunch of pet. you want to wow. be in our podcast. <laughs> uh, but th- th- this sort of oh I like the, I, I didn't even notice that it's the the dude standing that's the painting but she's seeing an actual person yeah. up on the up on the mantle there. the film grammar of dream sequences that utilize physical set based transitions I think always sells more as a mm-hmm. dream where yeah. you're moving through space to space 
with absolute continuity. And it's, and it's real. Yeah. As opposed to like something, seeing something like a city fold over itself one time, you guys in that movie once <laughs> is really like, wow, that's a visual that you would only get in. A, that's a picture that you could only take in a dream. But the, the, the feeling of dream, like, you know, quality is a thing that is best, I think, faked just by moving through different sets that give you this sense of things are changing around me in a way that ostensibly makes perfect sense that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Right, yeah. right. And that gives you that quality. Here's the Jackie Those are Onassis. always my favorite Jackie dream Onassis. sequences. She wasn't Jackie Onassis yet. She was yeah. still Jackie Kennedy. But yeah, that was the that was basically the bit that, that as we talked about in Inception, the 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 issue with the with the dream states in that was that they were too consistent. Yeah, like they had yeah. they they were well they our were, issue with it. Yeah, our issue with it. And they they everybody had like superpowers in them, but they were much too consistent. To make the flowers explode like popcorn. Yeah. I really did not like Inception. We had our, our we had our, our things <laughs> for it. Yeah, uh, but Eternal Sunshine's similar stuff is just far and away more compelling for me at least because mm-hmm. it feels so much like your brain going nuts which is yeah. what a, a dream is obviously there's not really dream sequences in eternal sunshine but it's the same sort of stuff here's one of the very few creature effects in the yeah. whole movie even though it's a whole movie about satan but uh, do you guys like this is this, satan. this this is right now kind of skirting around the purely visual showing you what's happening side of things it's trying to be a little bit more subtle but they're not avoiding it entirely either like Here's with this eyes. shot yeah do you guys like the amount of devil we're seeing here or do you think this helps i wonder I, if i think they show just about 20 frames too much yeah i mean i really yeah. like the the hands and this the sort of the glimpse of scales and all that i could have gone without the face in both yeah movies. the face is what you know face. both both of those could be later when they do it at the very end too i i think i would have i would have left it out the the I would. I, well, I would have taken the double, eyes, but when you see well, well, when you well, see the profile, well, here's the combo that un, that undoes it. Because what could happen here, you <laughs> could such a something that's out. really interesting about this movie, and I haven't read the book, is that over the course of it, you're mostly on everyone else's side at the beginning. Like, yeah, they're weird, but they're not fucking Satanists that are going to steal your baby. And then, like, the movie is almost making arguments against her, and you're like, yeah. But then over the course of the movie, her evidence way over <laughs> accounts for their evidence, and it's like, I think this is really happening, but. Right there, 48 minutes into a two hour and 15 minute movie, we see an actual shot. Like the, the hands could have been just a weird thing. But mm-hmm. once you go so far as to say, here is a face of the devil, right when she's saying, this isn't a dream, this is really happening. Right. There's no question. Th- then you've totally deflated the rest of yeah. that sort well, of suspense thing in terms of, is it really the devil or not? Polanski, yeah. would, Polanski would disagree with you. That wasn't his intention. His intention in placing the devil... The clear, the, the clear imagery of the devil is sandwiched in the middle of, like we were talking about, the eternal sunshine stuff. And right after you see the devil, the Pope comes wandering in and Jackie Onassis tells him to kill, you know. And, but then and she so, wakes up with fucking, with, with you know, right. screams. I mean, so. <laughs> actually, I think I think all, all things being considered, the devil's actually pretty nice. Yeah. <laughs> Those aren't really bad. Right? <laughs> Those are Did not. you guys see Twilight? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah really. Yeah, like. you know, I, 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 I've seen scrapes worse than that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, so, like, in in fact, in the uh, in the little documentary, he was saying he's is that Mia and Roman that you're talking about? Because uh, I saw that, but that was such a shitty little non documentary that I gave up like halfway through the EPK. I don't I don't know I don't think so. It was it was it had Robert Evans and in, in, in that case no. Um, I'll watch Robert Evans do anything. His his argument is you can you can watch this movie because it doesn't show anything supernatural. The only supernatural thing you see is the devil, and that's in the middle of this this crazy dream. Um, you could justifiably watch this movie as it is all in her head. But she says it's not a dream. This is really happening. Well, you could say that. That could be part of the dream. 
She believes that. She's clearly like, she's, you know, she's clearly whacked out. And that's a thought that she has. In if, the book, well, if she said, she if, has, is, if she said is this really happening, that would accomplish what Roman's talking about there. But she says, this is a dream. Or this is not a dream. This is really happening, which is different she, than saying, is this real? It, uh, sure. But she, just because she believes that it's really happening doesn't. Well, the, yeah, the, but if, to, what, to what extent if, should you give the audience the ability to question what the person that is the only person who's not part of the outside New World Order but thing? The whole, but the whole issue believes. is that the whole issue is, is she a reliable narrator or not? Is she delusional? And at this point, Conceded. we're not sure. Yeah, yeah. If, she, if, she, if she is, in fact, delusional about the entire movie about the events of the entire movie, then obviously she thinks it's really happening, but it's not. <laughs> she is wrong. You know? Okay. I'll take that um, as a defense of that choice. Yeah. I don't, that aside, I don't, I don't do you ag- like it in there? I don't agree with uh, which. The, well, well that, is a, that is a, that is a adequate that. defense of it being yeah. there, but do you actually, if you had your way, would you have used that shot or not? I would, have used, I would have left the hands in, but not used the face. I would have used the shot of the eyes. I wouldn't have used the shot where I wouldn't have used shots where you could see the devil in profile. You can see the like the little goatee and stuff like that. I still would have used the eyes. I wouldn't have brought it back later. Mm. But I feel like because you say he has his father's eyes, you do have to have shown the eyes at some point. Mm, no, not necessarily. Yeah, because that's that's I a cool line with or without. Yeah. A, he has his father's eyes. It's like he doesn't. His eyes don't look anything like guys. It's just, right. it's just a creepy line. If you take out the actual, it's a it's a true line thing. I guess that's true. Because yeah. you know they know the people who saying has his father's eyes know what those eyes are right. like. We don't have to. And if she that sequence, say, what it, have you done to it? And eyes, if you take out the so. face and that line's mm-hmm. meaning, what ends up happening is that scene is just this amped up version of the creepy where it's all in your head. You have no idea anything like what this looks like, but you're seeing her horror and going, sure. it's all in, I mean, it's it's the Bruce Jaws shark thing where right. it's like, we don't know, but they just said that he has his father's eyes and that, what the hell does that mean? And she was horrified and what's in that fucking crib? Sure. Oh, well, yeah, no, that's a that's a fair argument. I can I can uh, see that definitely working really well. And introducing Charles. Oh, yeah, yeah, Groden. <laughs> this is one of the Trey, is that an actual I'm like I'm like I think that that's the real deal. I don't th- I don't think that's a makeup effect because she's a phlebotomist. Even now I think they probably get I hope that's a real nurse and not just someone from right. casting. <laughs> it's so, background. I just if, like getting and, and, and if that's either way, Mia Farrow, you should have been freaking nominated. But um If that's all you have to do, man, I could do that. I, needles don't bother me. But um ah! Michael got up to walk away behind he has the curtain. His father's feet. He has his father's feet. Knocked over all the things. But um, walk yeah, away in that, shame. I was struck by that too when I watched it. I was like, I was like, oh, with the you don't see the skin That's being real. tugged around. I think that might have been the real deal too. They brought in a phlebotomist. I love saying that word. Yeah, and also any word where bottom is put just perfectly right in the, in the right middle sp- of it in the right spot. In the right spot. You don't have to say it like That's that. Right. Okay. Well, <laughs> they put the bottom in the it. right spot. Well, it's like Bill Paxton. You sound like Bill Paxton right now. Put the bottom in the right spot. But what could eat the bottom out of a dead rhinoceros? That's right. But yeah, you know, props to Laura Beth for knowing who Charles Grodin is. Of course, I would expect nothing less of you. But uh, he's kind of Charles Grodin's kind of faded away. He's still around. He's writing books mostly now. This was his first on-screen appearance. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. He, he became quite the thing in the in the seventies and eighties. It was a thing. He was. Well, he was. He was. He was you know, he was uh, worked with Elaine May a lot. Grodin. So he's and, so hot right now. He's in Catch Twenty Two. I guess was one of his. Uh, I think he's well known for Midnight Run was uh, is probably one of his last really big movie. There's some movie that I used to love that he's in and I can't picture it. Right liar, now. liar. <laughs> no, it would have been from the 80s. Monster Squad. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, I, uh, the hell. Charles Grodin. Heaven Can Wait. I mean that, but something else. <laughs> I love that, of course, but you know, something There's else. Something else. Guy is such a... Anyway. I, well, we have you also back Rusky, back Rusky. Yeah, there you go. Look at that. 
Bing. There you go. We also need to mention John freaking Cassavetes, uh, who's uh, father slumming, of Nick Cassavetes. Slumming mm-hmm. it is well, yeah, whoever that is, but uh, slumming <laughs> slumming it is a uh, as an actor here when he's actually uh, much more well known as a director. Mm-hmm. All those Cassavetes is what is it with these guys and their like badass last names like Tarantino, Cronenberg, Cassavetes? These are all like really awesome weird last names that you never hear those anywhere else. Yeah. Like we're all stuck with normal last names. And then these guys get these badass, like, eight-syllable-long weirdo. Nobody? Okay. I want my last name to be, like, Teague-Bada-Doom-Boom-Boom. You can do that, you know? I could. I could change my name. You could just do You can just do that professionally, too. Wasn't your family name Cream Teague Crystal Linguini until Ellis Island when they changed it? Teague Crystal Linguini. Crystal Linguini? That was me. My father was Pope Linguini. Sure. If we're making up shit, I want to go with sure, it. Sure, just, just, yeah, keep rolling with it. Why My not? stage name is Linguini. Sure. It's got to, people can remember that. So something also I hadn't picked up on, and I don't know to what extent this is a thing, and if it's just, you know, not a thing at all, but it seems thingish. Mary <laughs> had a... Little, little lamb. Immacu- <laughs> okay. Good work, everyone. <laughs> Good night, <it> everybody. <laughs> Mary was immaculately <laughs> impregnated by God. Rosemary was immaculately or no. whatever impregnated. Yeah, <laughs> not, is that a not thing? so immaculate. Are they, exactly are they the doing? A, are they doing? A Which makes me wonder about Mary. Well, what I'm getting at is, are, ah, there's something about her. Yeah. Are they making a connection with the Mary thing, or is oh, it just yeah. her name is Rosemary? No, no. There's no, a, sure. I, well, oh, I, I, that aspect of it I hadn't picked up on. See? That's very good. But they are definitely. There is definitely a. I mean, they make a reference that you know sure, you, you were you were relation. you were chosen to to bear his only living son, and that's right. the kind of language that they use about Christ in in a lot of. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily when we say immaculate, we're thinking in terms of she just got pregnant now. Well, no, but that, what I mean is impregnated by the supernatural. Well, yeah, but but I think that's a, a really good point to make. The idea in in uh, in the the Christian story is that she. You know, Mary was just God was like, "Hey, sup? So you're pregnant now?" Yeah, and, oh, and Mary was just not a prostitute. Mary and didn't uh, didn't touch her. She's immaculate. It was immaculately yeah. conceived because he never without touched without her. the icky sex part. Yeah, as opposed to God just went. Yeah, as opposed to we have to talk about this shark. Precise, talk about it. Precisely the opposite. <laughs> Yeah, especially if we're talking this cinematography. Is, this is the this is this is the famous shot that the everyone famous knows. Shot. You you go ahead. Yeah. Well, it. it's just, it. just everybody needs to take a moment okay. and notice the fact that you are trying right now in your seat. You're <laughs> you're kind of like moving. To, you were moving to the right yeah. to see you what see was around face. the corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was actually a thing again that William Fraker um, was talking about. And there was an article that I read um, on this movie. He um, he was with. With Roman, they were trying to make a thing out of what you couldn't see. So if they could, if they could hide something with part of the set that was important, and then maybe reveal it, maybe not. Maybe you wish that they had revealed it. That was something that they liked. That was very potent for them. And they also did that with lighting. There's sometimes in the beginning of the movie, there was a moment where the um, she went to the closet by herself, and a light came on, and it yeah. al- it illuminated the corner, but it didn't quite illuminate her. And <laughs> yeah. so, like, it, it was, was like frustrating guy, for a minute. Guy you know? turning on a light in the other room just yeah. happened to spill in. Yeah, it but, was it, really... but it didn't go, it wasn't perfect. It yeah. didn't hit her. It hit exactly. part, like, her shoe. And and that's, that, again, that's the audience interaction, the stuff where you're frustrated because well, you bought into it. Well, something that I, not that I've been keeping track, so I can't swear to this, but uh, this this entire movie is not... You know, I haven't really spotted any scene that was covered as like in master over over two right. shots. It's all constructive no, it's stuff. All, it's all it's interesting, all, unique. It's wonders. A it's, lot of wonders. You know, it's, of... it's 
you know deep deep staging. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, I mean uh, the 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 big master shot uh, is the or it's argument. only a master shot. Yeah. that just mm-hmm. rolls. The argument they have after the party is yeah. like that big master shot where they they there's a and then there's like you know we're gonna it's coming it's, it's quite a ways off because it's a very long movie but the phone booth scene is yeah. amazing. It's like mm-hmm. you know it's genius. She was pretty. Well, and she's still yes. you, you can follow, little thing. You, you can follow her on Twitter. She's on Twitter right now. But um, but yeah, that's a woman who you know was married to Frank Sinatra and was a long the longtime companion of Woody Allen. You know, she's got broad appeal. What can I say? Interesting. So <laughs> we haven't gotten to the other thing, the other no. scandal this freaking story makes you think of. But uh, but of course, you know, after she was divorced by Frank Sinatra, I don't know how long after they made a great joke of it on Saturday Night Live where. Where, um, because because Phil Hartman would do his Frank Sinatra and Rick Moranis was on and he was doing his Woody Allen and it was a sketch about how Woody Allen and Frank Sinatra were going to do a show together and how they couldn't get along and figure out what the show was supposed to be and and there was a line like well what do we even have in common and the third character goes Mia Farrow <laughs> like uh, I guess but um but of course guy I don't know. See, what's crazy is I didn't like him much at the beginning of the movie, but I didn't know if that was just because I didn't know him yet. You know, like he's the kind of guy like you got to get used to him for a second because he's kind of over the top. He's an actor. <laughs> I, oh, that see that hair looks fine now. I let, well, see, here's the I thing. I hate this haircut so hard. I, 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 what I love about the haircut is in the book, she specifies I've been to Vidal Sassoon and he shits on the haircut. They actually they were like, well, it's Vidal. So they actually got this haircut. Vidal Sassoon did this haircut. And then they shit on it in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. I, that no was such thing as bad publicity, Mike. Terrible. Yeah. Ew, gross. This is such a 60s, you know, twiggy haircut. Yeah. You know, I just like, I, oh, ultra short hair just doesn't work for me. Nah. Yeah. But it, but of course it helps make her look like a freaking concentration camp victim for yeah. the rest of the movie. Which yeah, is that, that part does of help. The point. What were you saying about uh, Guy? Just right. that in the beginning of the movie, like he might just be a guy you got to get used to because he's an actor. Like, Mike, can you do me a favor and speak on behalf of all gay men? Are all actors like, oh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> But yeah, <laughs> but over the course of this movie, he is such a giant piece of shit tool bag, like in really subtle ways. Well, he's a New York actor, too. He's, yeah, like, he's just true. like constantly a dismissive piece of shit who's always like, I'm sorry, I'll never do that again. Bye. Like he's he, so unaccountable and creepy. Well, I mean, the fact like we like we talked about before, the fact that he's willing to sell her out to the, the devil, devil yeah. to get ahead. He clearly is not thinking about much more than what he can get for himself in this life. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> so and I guess the, I mean, she would qualify as a trophy wife in that case, I guess, because she's a lot younger. Yeah. And, and, to, and she's, you know, pretty and willing to. And and to not be, f- be a person, I guess. To I be fair, I mean, you know, and it's the same guy who wrote the Stepford Wives, so so you know, there's sort of that connection. She, that's what she wants out of life. She wants to have, she wants him to be successful, and she stays at home and raises their three children. Like that's the life that she's after. Um, and so that's why she's so willing to go along with this pregnancy thing, and so excited about it because it's like that's the only the only dream she has is to is to make babies. Is that why she sort of? acquiesces at the end to raising the kid basically yeah is it just it's hmm. she because she's well, but that's she, a, oh, by the way is that a, did she is it just me or did she not pan fry that steak nearly long no, enough that's the point that's the point the point is that she's, she's eating it raw she's she's becoming yeah, she, she's desiring more and more raw meat because of forget. the satan baby she eats the raw liver later yeah oh okay hmm? searing what do you call that 
When, when you just when you literally just put it on both sides, it's done. It's a specific yeah. kind of raw. Searing is yeah, but yeah, yeah well, it's rare, but or... it's a specific kind of rare wow. <clears throat> when you just do it on both sides. Anyway, I think you're right, but I don't know the name. Yeah, Sunburn Daddy. Like, um, tr- there's Morris, but yeah, in the in Eddie the, was here. He would know in the in the yeah. book. It it gets more into it that she's she desires really rare meats. She's uh, there's a point where she's barely searing it to keep in the mm-hmm. moisture, and there become there gets to be a point right before the pain mm-hmm. stops where she's well. That was going to be my next question. Wrong. Why does the pain stop? Because my the read I got film grammar wise last night was the devil baby knows like she's about to do something that's going to really fuck me up I'll stop with the pain thing is that what it's, happened there it's not like it's, it's not better really for clear. him to stop doing whatever he was doing that caused her pain the devil baby and or whatever is you know the, yeah. the spiritual hoo-ha that's but, that's just, but did the pain stop so as to like give them cover like sorry holy holy shit she's about to do something drastic never mind there there is a certain amount of uh, the the baby seeming to respond when she's you know when she starts doing drastic things the baby becomes more active and stuff like that um, but it's that's not what you're talking about is not ex- extremely clear in the book it seems like it might just be coincidental just as she's reaching the point where she can't handle it anymore she, it just, just it the, transitions the actual, into a new yeah stage. the actual term of that pregnancy the hard the painful part has actually started yeah well that's I mean that's that would go along kind of well with what her crazy OBGYN guy says where he's like that's okay you don't need any more you can have the pills now yeah. well let's be real if satan's gonna if satan wants to have the baby if satan you know if this is what satan <laughs> if it does, is his will like yeah. evolutionarily <laughs> speaking um you know the pain's got to stop at some point so that it can yeah so that she won't cut it out i mean i guess that's on. true yeah no that's wait th- th- then in that case what's the deal then why did she cut her hair well, because she's freaking out. And I was going to say this earlier. This is an important... This is just chicks, a simple man. thing. Chicks, too. I mean, look at my hair right now. Like, <laughs> Yeah. What were you thinking? <laughs> Your hair looks nice. I don't get it. No, it's my, actually... My hair looks horrendous. like rosemary's right now, if anything. But I just got a haircut No, no. You're, you're glowing. You look fantastic. I didn't do my about? hair today. I didn't realize this was going to be a thing. But this is great. I mean, because she week. does You've have... You've got her haircut. Because she does have... She does have a... a Cool, hip, you know, Mod. very not yeah. like very cool yeah, haircut for like, her time. They but started making she, she her. Didn't up, the by power, the way, yeah, she didn't have the power. Yeah, but for the light bulb right now. But for the woman who wanted to have the life with the with the traditional life with the man who's bringing the, the money and then she makes the baby somewhere that's green. Maybe you know this haircut is it's like uh, what's her name Bernice. Bernice I'm going to bob my hair. Oh yes. <laughs> Bernice Bob's her I hair. A, again, I was associated Only with well, Is it a statement she's making about. consciously or is it a statement that should alarm us because she doesn't realize she's made that statement? So I think it's both. She's she, like, she's like, I need a change. She doesn't realize. Does she want, but does she want something else? Is that what facilitated I think, it? Well, I think the idea, you know, Vidal Sassoon, we just associate that with like shampoo at best now. But back then that was very glamorous. You got, I got a haircut at Vidal Sassoon. It was like, you know, getting your so it's like it's pope. not the, it's yeah. it's not the result it was the process it was yeah. i got a haircut there. it was yeah. it was it was just like it's just like you know society it's it's the same as we're get, i'm getting this baby delivered by the person who delivers all the society babies we're yeah. going to go out to a cafe yeah. and or be she's just seen reaching out for any kind cafe. of human interaction yeah. before, before that makes Vidal her feel appreciated. was was a you know company you know he was and is a guy, yeah. you know, who right. would only more cut, machine who would, now, yeah, who would cut the hair of famous people. So, so if you you actually got Vidal Tassoon himself to cut your hair and you know whatever amazing art form he was going to turn your head into, right? You know, it's so, like it's like having you know X person design your your Oscar gown. Like, who are you wearing? Right, like, I see. I've got a Vidal Tassoon. So maybe haircut. she was like just looking for validation and to feel like someone else is treating her specially and she's being special yeah, because be that. she's yeah. not yeah. getting anything at all from guy. I mean, it's just one of those. It's also one of those. Like, it's more like. You're saying the uh, you know oh, he, del- he delivers yeah. all society babies you know like oh really is he good oh no they all die but yeah. he, well but society people like he delivered shares dead baby but they taste great. <laughs> 
So, so like, that's a weird haircut you, you got. Shares dead baby. That's a weird haircut you have. Well, it's analysis. Oh, it's fabulous. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize. I thought it was awful, but I realized now it's avant-garde. It's the I definition of appeal to authority right there. I, re- yeah. I realized it's just better than I can appreciate. Yes, uh, clearly it's the me. The emperor's new clothes. Who doesn't uh, totally. get it? Now, there was some uh, conversation at the time in all those contemporary reviews I was reading, the 68 reviews, that guy, the guy who's playing him, Cassavetes, wasn't actually the right choice. Like, he's a little... He was he, the late choice. Yeah, he was, he was not the guy that they... They wanted it, Redford. Yeah, Roman would have Redford, been great. Redford, right. Redford would have been really something. Yes. Yeah. One of the things that Roman Not said. Anything away from Cassavetes. One but. of the things that Roman Polanski said in the the thingy that I was watching that I gave up on because it was horrendously self indulgent. Just it's Mia. It's called like Roman and Mia or something like that, and it's just them talking about how much they love each other. But one of the things they did say, Roman said, was <laughs> he is going to put her in such a tough position. He, he's like, he's talking about. There's this weird push against obvious casting. Like, people look down on obvious casting. I love obvious casting. That's one of the things he said, which I thought was interesting. But what... Help me understand what the people, contemporary people, would have said about this guy. That He wasn't it. Maybe even Mike, because you read the book. What is the not it that he is doing? I mean, he's over the top and kind of hard to pinned down he's just, he's, which I guess means that it's a, a less maybe a less crafted performance but maybe not you you put him next to Robert Redford yeah. and he's just he's just slightly he's he's less of the all-american boy that that guy well, is this gets, I guess his this, name this, is well, guy well, this gets, he's just a guy this gets the to the question idea. of casting I guess why do you cast anyone but what were they what should they have cast for well the punchline of Robert Redford sold his wife to Satan yeah. you know it's like, that, like Tom Hanks yeah that's it Tom Hanks oh, yeah. or you know like like Harrison Ford, to my memory, has only played a bad guy one time, and it was the whole point of it was that he turned out to be the bad guy. So you know, and I'm not saying what movie because it would be a spoiler. If you I was about seen to ask it, you, but, but then I was about to but, not. Uh, so thank you, you know, but it's like you know, it's like oh, Harrison Ford showing up in a movie. How sweet of him to you know help out you know in a movie, and then Harrison, how could he you? turns out to be the bad guy? And so you're like, well, what? What? That never happens. That was the whole point. Before of having Hanks Harrison gets, Ford, before Hanks, Hanks gets too old, he's got to do one of those for us. Yeah. Well, whereas, hey, wrote a perdition. But he was bad the whole time. Whereas, uh, whereas uh, Cassavetes, you I want get big this, where at the end he's, he's, already, he's got, like a serial murderer. He's already kind of edgy. There's there's always the sense that he's got a bit of an edge. He's got a bit of like a skeeve to him. There was there bit. was there was in one of the things I read it was IMDb or whatever said that Nicholson because Nicholson was also a hot young actor at the time was considered and he was kind of vetoed for the reasons that we said he shouldn't have been in The Shining. Which is like well of course he's going to sell his wife to the <laughs> yeah. devil. I don't believe that he was lo- ever saying. You can tell by looking at that guy that he would do it. <laughs> so then it's a fine line to walk. Where's the, the surprise for the casting director? Because on one hand, you want to stay, it's a spectrum, and you want to stay away from both sides of it. On one hand, you want someone who seems plausible and normal and an everyday guy and believable and good things abound. And on the other hand, you want to not have it be totally implausible when he sells your kid to the devil. So you have to be somewhere in the middle between plausibly good and implausibly bad. Well, you have... And that can uh, this guy is kind of in the in the center zone where he's kind of fucking flaky. He well, says no, nice you, things sometimes, but he's also weird. Yeah, what you what you need is you you need the uh you know the the all the the all American. He's a good guy and, and all that. And then you don't need to go all the way to that the far edge. You just need the you need the desperation of almost like we were talking about with Rosemary, he's experiencing kind of the same thing. He's like, I'm doing everything right and it's not working out for me. And he decides to cheat. Yeah, <laughs> by, right. by that's, that's kind of a missing ingredient that I think no matter who played it, the way it's, maybe someone playing it differently might have found that, but but I don't think it's on the page. Yeah. That, no, I that, agree. You know, it would be, it would have been a nice extra, you know, twist or a nice, nice extra bit of shading to, to have 
given just a little more depth to Guy mm-hmm. at the beginning, where you know it's like, why isn't he give a, us a clear starting? Why point. isn't he a successful actor yet? Is yeah. he not that good? Is he not trying hard enough? Has Down on just, his luck. Has he literally just been kicked in the teeth over and over again and just can't catch a break? You know what is right, it? Right. What is it that makes this appealing to him? In, in to the, take the deal in the book, he can't catch a break. Basically, yeah. that's, that's which what it which is. would make the most sense. Yeah, you know, it's like he's not. He's just he's just fed up, and he's just I. You know, I'm just never. You know, it's it's the, it's the Walter White approach. It's like yeah. this is my option. You know, if I'm gonna ever become anything. This is what's available. Well, to it, well, exactly. It's like guy. Guy is the you, maybe amp that up a little bit. Guy is basically the Walter White. He's the the good guy who makes the wrong yeah. choice. I'm going to do the to, bad thing one time, yeah. but the payoff is going to be so worth it. Yeah, you know. So. And then and then he just gets deeper and deeper into it. Which, as as you were saying, it's like you don't need you don't need to to go to the extreme end of the implausibly bad you just have to you just have to see him make that first step and then the rest of them just fall into place well the only other time on this show that i can recall that we've talked critically about casting of someone who's awesome is it was in the sting talking about robert red robert redford where it's like clearly robert redford is perfect for the sting but not really when you think about it on this level so i wonder like who who now just get like of our normal of our current crop of would it be like a hanksy sort of thing where someone who can play shades but is affable Sort of thing is that what you'd be looking for as a casting person? You know, all three of us, all four of us that aren't casting people. Like, would you be looking for someone who you like him, but they can do levels of that? Ed well, Norton, maybe. No, yeah, Norton. The, the thing is, the thing is, Norton's guy always got the edge. Guy doesn't have to really play the the edginess. Guy is not. Guy, guy may not until the as as we see. You know, he he starts to lose it in the in the uh, um the party scene because he's afraid of the if if rosemary does something drastic he's gonna lose his shit then he well then he's yeah he's gonna lose, lose his, his he loses stuff loses possessions yeah. and loses winnings um, and all that loses actual shit yeah. he's not gonna like go mad he's not gonna get yelly and scream he loses yeah. shit like that like he, he's gonna lose everything that he's gotten from yeah, this deal they're gonna they're gonna they'll be in breach of contract basically <laughs> yeah. and and he will lose everything that he's he's gained and so that's why he freaks out and after the party scene but then she the the pain stops and she's very excited. She's like, "Oh my god, the baby's moving!" And that's when it becomes real to him. And he goes, "Oh shit!" Yeah, oh like god. he's he's scared to touch. I it. didn't realize we were be... on a hair a hair trigger here. Yeah. yeah. Although you know what? Actually, another another thing with Guy's character that might have been nice is to to have him flip back before the big reveal. Like, oh, guess what, honey? Uh, by the way, yeah. But but it's like once once he agrees to the deal, it would be nice if he actually became. It would have been interesting if he'd become nicer to Rosemary because, like, look, because right, he's happy, he's doing you, better. Look, the deal's the deal, but you know, you don't get to come into our apartment. She's having the baby. Get ah, away. I see. Leave her alone. Now know? this brings like, us, you right. know, do whatever the deal is, but you know, I don't have to like you people. We don't have to have you in our house. You know, if he, if he actually became protective of her because, right. you know, he does love her. It's like, honey, I know this kind of sucks, but but look, we're gonna look what we're gonna get from this. You know, yeah, that's exactly. But that, but you not to get to, too far into spoilers, but that is also a kind of a Breaking Bad right. dynamic. The, yeah. The, but the the I, I would say the only issue with that is then you have you have to show the hand much earlier, and and then he's he's acknowledging that there's a right. conspiracy. Well, no, going I'm, I'm on. saying. And again, he, we haven't acknowledged yet. You know, right. we don't know. We don't until the end. Exactly. Basically. So I'm just saying the way he approaches it is is to have a moment that could just be leave the devil out of the story. She's having a difficult pregnancy and he's not being a good husband to her. Mm-hmm. And then he just goes, I'm sorry, I've been such a douchebag to you. 
you know, I'm, I'm back. I'm back again. You know, I'm in, I'm in now and I'm going to take care of you and does, right. You know, to see him become a good husband now, you know, and then the switch then is like, <laughs> and then I find out yeah. that this was going like, on. The like whole you, time. you can, even, you can even play it where he's like clearly repenting for something like, yeah, is he, he like he, cheating on me or something? He has he's a reason being, he's to being like uncharacteristically cool now. He has a reason to really want to make it up to her. What is the thing? And get her through this pregnancy right. as easily as possible. Now that gives, that's, I love this as a segue for this because I was, there's a, there's a whole goddamn story after Rosemary's baby of what they were trying to do with this. There was after like 10 years after this, eight years after this, there was a made for TV sequel called, I think what happened to Rosemary's baby. And then in 1997, he, the actual author, Levin, Ira Levin, Ira Levin wrote son of Rosemary, son of Rosemary, the sequel so she, to Rosemary's baby. She's actually supposedly eating a real piece yeah. of raw liver there. Ew. Is that go, what that was? I never realized that was liver. I go thought Mia. she was just eating like fudge or something. No, she yeah. pulled it out of that chicken. Yeah, I guess I wasn't paying attention at that moment. Jesus. And then she's like, what the fuck? Oh, that reminds me of That's that. a great shot there. I yeah. love that shot. Cool. Anyway, but so, and and we'll get to the why and how and the spectacular failures of them in a second and how much they sucked, but those sequels both sucked. Now, <laughs> yeah. thinking in terms of if you were to, if you were forced, if you were like under duress, forced to make a sequel for Rosemary's Baby, well, those are two ways not to do it. Cool. But an interesting way you could do it would just be like a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern thing. Tell the same story again from Guy's side and understand his horror and sort of motivate all of his little weird fluctuations as it like a Buffy and Angel sort of parallel story of both sides of what's happening yeah, here. you could do that. Where you're understanding how this, it's for all we know, Guy is uniform formerly a giant piece of shit now obviously you have to be a pretty substantial piece of shit at the beginning to agree to this in the first place but understanding the little variations and mixed signals along the way and how it's not all it's cracked up to be to actually make a deal with the devil on his end either then we get both sides of this horrifying story and then at the end of it we can make a broader point about how the devil is kind of a bad guy you guys or something like that (laughs) but but that might be a way to get away with a sequel where it's not you would never accept that That's a, any version of totally wimping out what already happened that is a way to get that that is a way to get away with it but like, it's also like wicked or something it's also as we've discussed well the the thing about wicked and the thing about rosemary's baby is already the wicked version because it's like we've seen the version of the guy who makes a deal with the devil and then has regrets we we're we're seeing the this is the rosencrantz and Guildenstern version of he's we he's, need to see the hamlet version of rosemary's baby yeah exactly <laughs> That's that's the the standard version is what guy the, is going the through the gopard version as yeah. opposed to the stoppered. <laughs> you want to see the devil's story? He's just sitting down in hell, and a minion comes in. and goes, "Okay, she's ready." And he goes, "Is she at least cute?" "Oh no, she's really cute." Or no, they did a really good. Like her this they time. really did a good job with this one. To this was other, great. To go the other way and not subvert it, I would love to see the movie that is the devil's advocate. Ta da! <laughs> yeah. you know? But that that would that just thinking in terms of ways to do a, a sequel to this. Yeah. If the, there was a demand for one and someone had a gun to your head, that isn't awful. That the, would be an interesting story to write. The trouble is, I can't really think of a sequel to this that isn't the Omen. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. That's now, tough. Now here's I'll, I'll tell you guys this. I'm assuming nobody gives a shit about the spoilers for the 1978 or 76 TV movie or the 1997 novel. So I'm going to tell you what happens in both of them. Okay. <laughs> now the 78 movie. You've I think it was warned. 78. Uh, it was a TV movie. It was, you know, C-level actors coming in to replace these roles for where there was going to be overlap and all that stuff. And it's unrelated entirely to any of this. Like, there was very little crossover between teams, much less writers. This is It's totally a made-up bullshit, unauthorized sequel, right? And it's about, like, Andy has grown up. He's gotten a little bit older. He's got a buddy. And it, he's trying to get away from all this guy has fucked off and, she like, his mom's out of the picture. And over the course of the movie, it gets, like, crappier and crappier 
And at one point, like the devil, like Andy just wants to dance, man. And he goes out to a club (laughs) and then the devil arrives and like possesses everyone in the club. And then it's, it's just spooky, made up bullshit, awful tropeness until the end. And okay, it's it's it just lies lies flat on the floor. It's kind of a shitty movie, but it's not like uniformly offensive, right? Just yeah, that one just lies there. All right, can't all be winners. The actual sequel, written in '97 by the guy who wrote the book, does this whole thing. And again, spoilers, but who gives a shit? Where over the course of the movie, oh, it's so fucking awful. So <laughs> so like Andy has grown up, and can I just say I'm sorry that with this party scene, number one, this the scene is. The scene on screen is bigger than the book makes it sound, which is interesting. Number two, it's there's a weird thing where it's like, it's her friends are doing the right thing and trying to do right by her by saying you really need to and putting her do, into more jeopardy. You need to do well. They're saying you need to do something. You're you're really not looking well and stuff like that. But it's also really shitty when they're coming in. They haven't seen her in a while and they're like, "You look like shit." Yeah. Oh my god. And she's just she's just crushed every time someone <laughs> yeah. says that to her. It's like, don't come on, yeah, don't leave with that. Guys? You're supposed to be glowing. You look like yeah. death. <laughs> the Satanists say the yeah. nicest things to her. Exactly. It. And you can she plays it so well. Like she's she's so she's so hurt every time someone says it. And it's like Did you get a doing, haircut? You look repulsive. They're they're doing the right thing by trying to call attention to it and being like, please do something. Take care of yourself. Good instinct, about guys. You. Good instinct. But yeah. it's so hurtful that well, I, you hate them for it. They're, Just, but they're reminding us too that that's not what's supposed to happen. Right. She's supposed to look more radiant right. and like rounder and bigger. And she's yeah. Just yeah. like in a in a crazy health yeah. bubble. And so supposedly this is the moment. Yeah. This is right after she got found out that Frank Sinatra wants to divorce. Yeah. And she decided. And to And she was like, "Oh, well, roll camera. Here we go." <laughs> yeah. I guess now we know what is behind blue eyes. But anyway, sorry. So this fucking thing. Okay. Now I don't know as much about the made-for-TV movie because there's only like a little snip on the wiki because no one fucking no one was gonna watch that thing. But I I read enough to understand that. It was bad. The sequel to the book. So Andy is all grown up now and he's running like this uh, charity organization, like it, feeding the world or something like that. Like he's he, this massive outreach organization. He's the, the head of it. The Antichrist is doing this? The Antichrist okay. is doing this because right. he's tried to put back, he's tried to like, l- you know, learn the error of his father's ways and not be the devil and all that stuff. Or at least apparently, <laughs> wow. ostensibly, that's how you we start do, the beginning. You can do that? <laughs> it seems as if he is all right, you guys. But then over the course of the thing, it's, it, maybe he's faking it. Maybe this is evil in some weird way, right? And this is happening. There's a whole, okay. <sighs> He's dating a woman named Judith S. Carriot. Oh, oh, God. Everyone's fired. Oh. Shut it down. He's dating a woman named <laughs> Judith S. And it's like K-H-A-R-Y-A-T. Like, way, it is wow. like this party, the most uh, belabored pun. Th- this post-party ar- argument, just watch it, all a wonder. The entire nice. thing. Oh, yeah, it is. So, she doesn't wait. She's about to die, too. Yeah. This is clearly like, this is the bottom of her, like, pallid yeah it is yeah. tunnel i guess well yeah this is where the pain is gonna stop yeah, yeah. so and she kills someone close to him but not him if i recall correctly with like 30 pieces of silver for 30 pieces of silver or something like that or like it's done with like three no. silver knives and for 27 silver coins or some shit like that like Jesus. it's it's so <laughs> it's the expression like wearing it on your sleeve is not enough like it's like coming with a person like a personal generator and having an neon sign judith s carry it right and anyway you go on <laughs> this happens and then it turns out that this the outreach organization was making these candles and they were going to be like this nice little worldwide candlelight vigil thing but it turns out that if you burn them then everyone turns into dust and goes into hell and this that, and the other <laughs> Oh, wow. And that was the whole thing. And you find out at the end, like you're following some character that's not Andy as you realize, oh my God, there is evil in him ah! at the end. And it is, uh, 
and this, it might even be Rosemary. I don't know if it is or not. I don't remember. Sorry. But what ends up happening, and this is the big spoiler, so Mom? I'm sorry, is she, the character that we're following does indeed light one of these candles and dissolves into dust and goes to hell and meets Satan. And Satan's all like, sup, bro? And then <laughs> Rosemary, it was following Rosemary. And then Rosemary wakes up in 1965. None of this has ever happened, including this movie. It was all a dream. It was all a dream. She had been reading Bram Stoker's Dracula, got spooked, <laughs> fell asleep, had a dream about getting impregnated by the devil, having a kid carrying it to term, it being horrifying, the whole thing. <laughs> 30 years, her the son becoming the guy who's in this global outrage thing, the candles, the Satan. She wakes up in 1965 before this movie starts. And that's when we learn Ira Levin is the real monster. <laughs> Lindelof! <laughs> Bobby's in the shower, right? Yeah, Bobby was in the shower Jesus. the whole time. Yeah. The, bu, bu, bu. <laughs> that is the that's really remember something. how shitty that first made up bullshit sequel sounded that's the real sequel yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it was all a dream it's like the it's like the Hannibal sequel the book it's like what what happens yeah what get out I like this uh, the original author too Casavides uh, or guys you know he he plays it so well, like the desperation, like his whole thing. You can't do that because it it wouldn't yeah. be fair to Doctor Saperstein. Like, even Duh, as he's don't. saying it, he knows that's the most yeah, ridiculous thing like, he could say. That's not gonna work. <laughs> oh, <in the laughs> but, but he has to say. Something. I really have a bad actor. <laughs> yeah. I need to take more improv class if I'm gonna keep doing this. In the chat round, Gibtown's actually read that book. Uh, oh wow! I th- please tell me if you're a man or a woman because I'm, I always say she but I'm not positive I think it's she uh, but she says it was awful and there's also I forgot to mention this but this is it was a big part of all the reviews I read there's also this kind of odd sexual tension going on between Rosemary and Andy the whole time oh, is that going on and also she mentions that she uh, girl that's right thank you Giptown uh, she also mentions that she thought the pain stopped because she had stopped drinking the shakes but then she starts drinking them again like she's drinking one right now yeah so I don't know anyway no no yeah it's it's a it's a it's a weird thing. It's one of those like it's supernatural, right? You know, and it's it's it would have been nice if there was a, a little sharper, pardon the expression, indication of why it happened. I mean, yeah, the yeah. idea that the baby goes, oh, I should stop, you know, jabbing my horns into my mom or whatever yeah. the hell's been going on. It's like why at that particular moment, you know, what was the awareness that wasn't? It's like, well, maybe if you just weren't causing her excruciating pain from, from the get go, if you yeah. have the ability to not do that. Why didn't you realize yesterday you shouldn't be doing that? So it's it is kind of a you know it would be nicer if there was a little bit more of a rationale for why that particular moment, you know. I mean, a, a, a way to do it, although I wouldn't do it for for story time. But it's like if she went all the way to be having the procedure, you know, and the baby was like, oh no, hey, no, I'm out, you know, and yeah. she would go, oh, it's cool now. But um, but that wouldn't really play either. You don't want to do it that way. No, that well, that's having having uh, uh not obviously gotten to. Uh, need to need an abortion or anything but uh you know when i uh if if you have severe pain to the point that you're about to have surgery and the pain stops still do it yeah (laughs) you still get the surgery you could have just killed all your nerve endings yeah because that because that that actually when i got my gallbladder out it there was like horrible pain for a while and we they're like just get, get it out it's a really common procedure and the week i was going to have the surgery the pain stopped but i was like well i've already scheduled it and blah 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 and we found out they're like yeah the reason the pain stopped is your gallbladder exploded which released the pressure yeah but was also going to kill you in about two more weeks if we didn't get it out and i was like oh my god <laughs> yeah, so there you go. So, so that's that's just let that be a lesson. If you're not in pain, get to a doctor immediately. <laughs> she does not know how to dress for a funeral. I will say, 
Um, you know, I, I I would hope that she had something uh, more appropriate, but for some reason, I'm gonna go dress like Heidi. Yeah, at least it's not red. I've just been to be <laughs> that's true. Well, that would be a <clears throat> Ruth Gordon and Harold and Maude thing. By the way, see Harold and Maude. It's awesome. See, see Harold and Maude, you guys. I know I, that you don't like watching 70s movies, you, you guys. Go watch that movie, you guys. When did you, are you, have you always been on board with Harold? Oh, and hell yeah. Okay. It's, it's, one of Chloe's, I, it's one of Chloe's favorite movies, too. Hey, yo, that, that one, Dark Crystal, she and I differ, but Harold and Maude, I just rewatched it because I hadn't seen it in ages. I wrote a thing about it on the, on the forum, and I rewatched Harold and Maude, and my God, it's still the best movie ever made. Uh, here's, here's, here's the pitch, you guys. Really old lady, really young guy, relationship. Go. It's a dark comedy that is, it's, it's, it's go see Harold and Maude. It's a fantastic movie. I think movie. it's even on Netflix right now. If mm-hmm. It is. I do believe it is. Um, it's it's my entire worldview comes from Harold and Maude. <laughs> my, 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 I see the world like Harold and Maude. So there you go. Bud Court is dead. Long live Bud Court. Bud Court's doing fine. He was in heat. I was uh, I was making like an amalgam <laughs> reference to both that and Dogma that once sure. didn't go anywhere. Never mind. So now this is, you know, now here's, here's this is the, uh, the movie is going to go into its action sequences, which consist of Rosemary looking things up. Is about as close to action as this movie gets. David Fincher. Yep. David Fincher says hi. She's yeah. becoming proactive finally, and you know, so this is this is the act, the final act in which she's actually going to start to figure out what the hell's going on and try and do something and be thwarted at every possible turn. I wonder what David Fincher's Rosemary Baby it's, would look it, like. Yeah, I was thinking that just as you said that, I was like, if anybody wow. needed to make Rosemary remake Rosemary's Baby, I would hope it'd be Fincher. Here's what the differences would be: the the score. Would certainly be Trent. No, I'm just kidding. Um, probably though. Yeah, probably yeah, though. <laughs> What's interesting is like here it is when she's trying to get away and she's like slamming doors in people's I don't, faces. I don't know about you, but this scene, I'm, I, as, as soon as uh, Minnie has the book in her hand, it's like, oh god, don't let her take that book, <laughs> like because you you just <laughs> right. know it's like it's gonna be a thing. Yeah. Um, this, when she's trying to run away and she's slamming doors in people's faces and she's trying to get away from that and then she finally ends up safe at the other OBGYN but then he lets the other people yeah. in and it's all that shit. The score that's happening throughout that that sequence is really odd. Like it's you expect the the very baseline easy low hanging fruit version would be something that's like something with a little bit of percussion and it's it's moving. They didn't do that back then, right? Though, so. Well, yeah, but it, but then the next thing you would you'd expect like soaring, swelling strings of tension, sort of thing, and unresolved like sus notes and weird like oh god, is she going to get out of there? But that's not what they do either. What they do is this weird, it's almost dainty like violin centric thing where it's kind of like bum 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 bitty bitty bum. And it's a little bit too. It feels incidental and odd to me, like, like kind of wafy. Like, oh, this is the scene where she's trying to run for her life from this weird mad yeah. pack of people that are trying to kill her. And it sounds as if she's having some trouble at the Seven Eleven. Like, it's, it's, it's just a difference there. But talking about the difference between you gave se- me the wrong change between. No, I wanted a bagel. I think that hot dog's been there since yesterday. You know, or whatever. But no taquitos. I think the difference between. The largest difference between how this is and what Fincher would do with it, because I think it's oddly pretty close to what he would do with it. Maybe, well, especially what we're talking about with the cinematography, yeah, you take it back yeah, to that direction. Yeah, I think yeah. it would be, you know, maybe a hair more stately than this and certainly little, like literally darker, just a darker picture all the time. But the difference would be what, we, what he was doing with the score, because this movie is scored in a really interesting, like sort of feather touch way where it's almost... They're using the score to tell you how to feel in abstractions, even more so than music usually is. Like the beginning with that weird lullaby, that also comes back at the end, which is great, and it sets the tone, but it's, a, it's also a very odd choice. Like, you, you, you just take it as read that that's what Rosemary's Baby is, but if you think about it as a choice someone had to make, you're starting your this movie that way, and it's just this weird sort of like minor key, Game of Thronesy sounding la-la-la. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's so perfect, it's almost 
it's almost obvious that no, a movie a, about a mother totally of Satan yeah. has to has to be a creepy the lullaby. creepiest lullaby you've ever <laughs> yeah, heard. Yeah, and I love creepy lullabies myself, but. Uh, you know, it, when you I sit, sit down, when, and when I sit down, you go with broken music box as the, as the yeah, exactly. When I sit yeah. down at the piano, my default thing to play is what sounds like creepy circus music. Um, but what Fincher, I think, would do is maintain this level of almost unbearable tension. Like this is this a really is tense movie, but I think it might actually get like smothering. The scene, I think the first thing Fincher would do would find some cool new gimmick and find a way to put <laughs> yeah. it into the movie. I think yeah, that's, that's the true. first thing he'd be doing. Already done shots, first thing shots, he's concerned in, with. shots in utero or something. Yeah, yeah, was, See, yeah, yeah, yeah. The scene where she got the book, I mean we've we've mentioned the omen um at least at least once. And I've never the, seen the omen. The scene where she gets the book reminded me of of the omen in a lot of ways and and just thinking about that the omen is what I'm talking about and kind of what you're talking about. The omen is a, is a movie where the tension is up there the entire time. Yeah. The, the, there's, and there's, there's no it's un, levity. It's crushing. There's, it's unbearable. There, yeah, there's more levity, a bit more levity in, in Rosemary's Baby just because of the personality of the silly Satanist. But uh, um, I think if you could balance that that level of tension with the, the social satire, you would have a really... You, if you were going to if you were going to remake Rosemary's Baby, that would be the thing to do. The thing to do would be to go, okay, what is, you know, we, we've got that that level of tension, and we're going to tell that story, and we're going to use it to tell some story about the ridiculousness of of modern society, in or, or in much the same way that that uh, um, uh, American Psycho is is a satire about the eighties. It could be a thing where everyone but Rosemary thinks everyone else is like out to get them weird paranoid persecution fantasy shit and she's like no you guys yeah or, or but then just, of course at the end of the day the movie would be saying or just no the they're fact, right yeah or just the fact that she, you know the the whole idea of living the dream and how you you have to make a deal with the devil to actually live the dream and and it's not a little bit etc etc i like some allegory in my faust Ooh, stories right that's the that's <laughs> that's the story that if you have to remake this which you totally don't but yeah, <laughs> if you, you really don't guys but if you were to it's like okay there's a reason to remake it. There's a story to be told about about modern society and people's pl- perceived place in it, and and where uh, you know family and motherhood and all of that business fits. That's the story that you tell within the in the framework of Rosemary. Sorry, Baby. you're making a good point, but then it just occurred to me for another a fourth sequel idea, which would just be oh God. She gives up the baby. She gives up Adrian for adoption, and someone else adopts Rosemary's baby. Well, that almost becomes. And then it's just like it's. That Sorry. almost becomes a uh, uh, just so stupid. Gaiman's uh, the Good Omens book. Oh uh, yeah, Good Omens. Yeah, if you like Rosemary's Baby, you might also like Good Omens. Yeah, see, we're better at recommending shit than Netflix is. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> if you like Rosemary's Bra- Baby, you might also like Braveheart and Dirty Work. <laughs> <laughs> if you like Rose- with you. Braveheart was the, was the punchline. <laughs> if you like Rosemary's Baby, you might also like MythBusters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank yeah, whatever. Well, How I, it's made. I don't Wait, ha- what? <laughs> I don't happen to like... Well, I actually understand that one. You, at least. you might happen to like Orange is the New Black. Yeah. Because everyone likes Orange is the New Black. Am I right, guys? Who doesn't like Orange is the what New Black? What would be Black? hilarious is if Netflix just got ahead of the fact that they're you might like algorithm is kind of wonky and just as a joke for like one day maybe on April Fool's Day yeah. just every single poster yeah. they show you you might also like it's just House of Cards House of Cards yeah. House yeah. of Cards House of Dora Cards Dora the Explorer you might also you might also like House of Cards House of Cards House of Cards House of Cards <laughs> Orange is the New Black you really might though House of Cards is phenomenal it's really good although I finally saw it that's all gotten a lot better for me and my Netflix experience lately because they've done the thing where you can have pro- five like five yeah. profiles on the one account yeah. so it's like which one are you 
<laughs> okay, I am Teague. Cool. And it actually gives me really good recommendations. The one that we were using as like a community for this whole house, <laughs> yeah. everyone who lives here one. It was like the, I don't know, Like dude, even the you, person you, whose Netflix account it is had to make a profile because that one was all fucking janked yeah. up now. <laughs> yeah, you might like, I don't even know. Based on what you've watched, what you we like. think that you might like Chinatown, Slither, and uh, The Human Centipede. Yeah. Bob? Mom. Just shotgunning it. We have no yeah. idea. One of the things about this, and we, because we have so much movie yet to go, is, is again, oh, 40, minute, 40 minutes, 40 in the way, minutes. in the way that the, in the way that there's certainly a difference between, you know, if they made this movie now, even if they didn't turn it into, in the end, the, the Branford explodes, which of course would happen. Yeah, the, but, the, um, the good version of what they would do now. Yeah, but, but the fact that this movie just, just resolutely refuses to speed up. Even though it's like now we're into the third, yeah. we're into the third mm-hmm. act, and it's like okay, she knows, and okay, it's all about what is she going to do, and how is she going to get out of this, and what's going to happen, and and the pace refuses to amp up one bit, and I don't know if that's, you know, it's just like again, this is made by made by two guys. I'm going to count William Castle as producer, as at least having some involvement as well, um, and Bob Evans for that matter as the third, as the Paramount guy, and. And uh, Polanski from, you know, from Europe, who I don't know, did Polanski have any kind of formal filmmaking training or he was one of those guys who just was self-taught. But the fact that this is a crowd of people who don't know the rules of how you make a movie. And there were even in general, fewer rules of how you make a movie in these days, in those days than there are now. You know, is it, is it that they is that a conscious choice that the pacing will stay still very deliberate and very sort of you know slow and just it'll just build as, as at the pace it builds at, or the fact they just didn't know any better? <laughs> you know, they just they just you know this is just we're just making the movie and telling the story, writing the book. And I, my, my thought my thought on it, regardless, I mean, I, f- I feel like it's probably just a sign of the times. Yeah. Um. But, but I there is something I like about. I mean, how, I mean, this woman was impregnated by Satan and she's got nine months to go and then, you know, you know, however, like in life, right? <laughs> right. So something about, about the like long excruciating journey to finding out that some shit's going down and then no, nothing, nothing gets faster now. We, <laughs> exactly. we still have to yeah. have this fucking baby. Well, <laughs> okay. and there's, there's an element, like you said, I think, I think half of it was probably deliberate and half of it not knowing any better yeah. I'm, I'm sure which isn't necessarily a bad thing yeah right i'm sure it's, he was very deliberate about the pacing but if he had hindsight you know he would probably go eh, i might have tightened it yeah, up a little bit just anyway any, any movie from the 70s yeah. you probably want to drop two minutes to three minutes out of and but but definitely <laughs> i do think even even though it makes it long and even though if you're not prepared for it it can be kind of boring it 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 almost it in a in a weird backwards way, it it does almost heighten the tension because it's like no matter what she does, no matter how fast she tries tries to solve problems or tries to run from it, there's this inexorability of nope, it's just going to come the way yeah. it's coming, yeah. and there's nothing you can do about you it. You can run to the doctor's office, but he yeah. won't be there, and you have to wait. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it goes. The movie will be called America. Yeah, um, he was. I just here's is the, this scene. the scene. Is yeah. the scene where supposedly this was not yeah, staged? This is real. This is Roman Polanski and okay, Mia. I'm just going to follow you yeah. with the camera. And the thing she said, just thing, get this. The thing he Nobody said was, else would run out into the street. Yeah. yeah, he had to do it. Well, the thing uh, that's what the it may be apocryphal, but the thing he said to her was, "Well, you're going to be wearing a pregnancy pad." Dot dot dot. Who so no one's going to hit a pregnant woman. Who's not going to stop like, for a pregnant woman? You think the end of that right, sentence right, is going right, to be right, like, right. even if the car hits you, it'll be fine. It's not a real baby. Yeah. But Polanski did attend. <laughs> oh, God. I just thought of the sickest thing. In a year, he would find out how little people cared yeah. about pregnant women. Polanski did attend film school in Poland. Okay. 
Uh, he but it's, it's probably not the same as going to USC. No. He attended the National Film School in, and then there are a string of letters that I can't even begin to pronounce. Yeah. It's um, like the machine in Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. One of them is not a letter that I recognize at all. <laughs> it's the symbol for Are you moron. calling into question that letter? I, it, this letter I, is suspect. No, I'm sure it's probably Cyrillic or something, but That's I can't. One of those, yeah. yeah. You know, I was just thinking like, yeah, Polish. so, so yeah. he is Polish. Don't make a it'd Polish be really, joke. It'd be so much more convenient for, I think, everyone, if whatever country you're from, the first syllable of your last name has to be the first syllable of your country. <laughs> oh. Like, that'd just be way easier, because then you, it's easier to remember. All the people with G-E-R from Roman Germany. Paul Lansky, he, he gets set the standard. It gets tricky when you're dealing with, like, Australians and Austrians, I guess. But then the accent helps the rest of the way. <laughs> no. But, like, like, who can't tell an Austrian from Australian? Right? Like, you can't tell Schwarzenegger from Paul Hogan? Come on, guys. Yeah. It'd be so much easier that way. Plus, we'd all get to change our last names and come up with I something wacky. Tr- I, I didn't know the trivia about this scene until I read it in IMDb. I thought this was fascinating because I never knew this. Mm. I thought this was really, very Oh, cool. who's actually the voice on the other side of the phone? Yeah. First mm-hmm. of all, I never knew yeah. who the voice was. Right. And the fact that uh, supposedly she didn't either is kind of interesting. But um, if you haven't read IMDb, because, you know, you're not on the internet listening to this or anything, but uh, that's Tony Curtis, which is great. Um, but the fact, I guess they must be doing it live, whether yeah. this is mm-hmm. a real phone. And she didn't know who she was talking and to. And she didn't know who she was like, So the whole time she's going... Who is this? I know this voice. <laughs> this is yeah. Tony Curtis. Yeah. This is this Jamie Lee's dad? Which gives her this great look. Yeah. Although I, it, this this is definitely live. In fact, both both ends. If you if you listen to it on the audio, both ends are clearly through a t- recorded through a telephone. Like they tapped into it to get yeah, it because because her voice is filtered in in much the same way. Now I missed the significance of this one last night because I was falling asleep and I was watching the movie. What is what is this conversation revealing to her? The well, what the the thing is that in order to do a spell. In order for the coven to cast a spell on someone, they need one of their possessions. And so what she does is she cold calls uh, the guy who and went... They re- and she reads in the book that they can make people go blind and shit. Yeah, and so this guy went. This guy suddenly went blind, and that's how Guy got his, his break, and, and everything fell from there. And so she cold calls him and basically, you know, guesses... She, she was, invents the fact that he took invents something. Invents the fact that he took something, and then the guy's he, like, yeah, he, he confirms, oh, yeah, you mean my tie? Yeah. We just switched. But I just, yeah... I thought it, they. I thought I got off way better because I had a, like a fucking rubber ducky tie and it was embarrassing <laughs> yeah. to have it anymore. I, I was really happy I wanted to take it. Yeah, it's fun. It's it, the thing guys do thing. when they meet other guys yeah. and change ties with them. It's, well, it's common. They they did they they actually uh, <laughs> don't have a line in there because when she confronts guy and he has an explanation for all the weird shit he did, yeah. uh, you know he has a plausible infl- uh, explanation. One thing he says is he did, I didn't say anything to you about it because it was kind of a faggy thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he, he does call that out. In the, That's it was, adorable. It was weird. Although. Speaking of guys and ties, this is an odd one and it's sort of unrelated, but we've got still 40 minutes left. No. Um, speaking of the, 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 the TV show, The Newsroom, there's a character played by, I forget his name, but Charlie, uh, the guy, he was, oh God, what's the actor's name that plays oh, Charlie, um, the old guy? Uh, anyway, but that yeah, guy. It's driving me crazy. I can't think of his name. Um, Sam Worthington. Sam Worthington. No, is that, that's no. Avatar. <laughs> so, so, no, Sam uh, something. I got this. Thank you. Anyway, but that guy. Sad that I can't His character his plays, a, his, that actor plays a character who wears bow ties. And he wears a bow tie throughout the entire first season. And up until a certain point, uh, this point gets invalidated in the second season, which is a bummer. But up until a certain point in the second season, same deal. He's always wearing bow ties. And that's just who he is. And that's kind of weird. But I was watching this with my dad. I was back home over Christmas. Sam Watterson. Like Watterson. Thank you. So it's a mix of Sam Worthington and Bill Watterson. Okay. <laughs> um, and I was watching with my dad, who's been in the corporate world for a long time. He works at FedEx, right? Now, my dad has worked with a tie on for 30 plus years, and he's known nothing but people wearing ties for 30 plus years. And his observation was interesting because there's a scene in the newsroom where they're watching footage from like 
10 years ago or something. Like they're watching an old tape of those guys talking. And in that shot, Sam Watterson is wearing a necktie, not a bow tie. Like he's wearing a normal tie. And my dad paused it and said, that's really interesting. At this point, of course, I had not fucking noticed this. I don't care. (laughs) But my dad was like, that's really interesting. I'm like, what is? He's like, well, that character has been wearing bow ties this whole time. But then when they cut back to like the way flashback, he's wearing a necktie. That's that's weird. And I was like, why is that weird? He's like, have you ever known someone who wears bow ties? I'm like, no. He's like, okay, I'll tell you. (laughs) People who wear bow ties just wear bow ties. They don't go back and forth because it takes a very particular person to wear and pull off and commit to a bow tie. And that's like leveling up majorly. Like you don't go back to neckties after you, you can accomplish bow tie. That's like, you know, beating the level boss or something. Like once you're on bow tie level, you don't go down. Don't. And I was like, oh, I guess does that signify anything like transition? Like maybe he had an experience or something like he got hired or a formative. He's, my dad's like, oh, no, I don't know. I've never seen a guy go from neckties to bow ties. I just thought it was interesting. Oh, thanks, dad. Anyway, and of course, later in that series, yeah. thanks for getting us through ten minutes of Rosemary. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then later, of course, in the second season, then he goes back and forth between bow ties and neckties, and it was entirely worthless. So we're going to call that the uh, necktie on Sam. Okay. And and a movie will okay. pull a necktie on Sam when it's kind of slow for ten minutes. Yeah, we just kind of just. Okay, here we go. Okay, yeah, I believe we see what I did. I delivered shot. you to this. Got us to the phone booth, so which I believe we're off and running, and here we are. Yeah, I think I think we're not going to cut until this whole scene's over. We put a clock on this. It's a hell of a. Is, is she actually talking to someone or is this a monologue? Uh, she's she, probably talking to she's someone. She's probably, I mean, because yeah, it's so a hell. It's a hell. She, she just gets through the entire thing and it's a lot to say. It's a lot of oddly phrased, yeah. sort of writerly things to say. Yeah. And yeah. she sells it the entire time, which is doubly impressive. Yeah. Again, you know, Mia Farrow was not a big star. She's done a lot of television at this point. But this, again, it was kind of it was a risk to cast her because she wasn't a big, big movie name at this point. You know, she was mostly that TV actress who married Frank Sinatra was her claim to fame. So she really, you know, she committed to this movie. She really wanted to do it and she really nailed it. I mean, she, you know, she really, she's amazing work. In this. There's an availability in our universe. I think for Olivia Wilde to pull the same trick where it's like, <laughs> she's the really skinny, really cheek bony girl who everyone just thought was a pretty young thing until she like, Oh shit acting. Although I don't think we've seen that role from her yet. I think she could pull the same sort of twist on the world and go like, Oh no, she's like, Think more like Brad Pitt. Can actually act and is good looking, as opposed to, you know, pick whoever I want to shit on. Isn't <laughs> the, and, and the, what? The, the depth of the shot? I'm, too, yeah, I'm, I'm really thinking about who you it. want to shit on. That's where, <laughs> that's where my mind is. Yeah, right suddenly now. I'm thinking I should of, exclusively <laughs> on balloons. I'm thinking I'm thinking logistics all of a sudden yeah. of the shot because the, they're whole. They, these are all extras. These aren't. Yeah. This, this isn't a, a grab the people because they've got to control this scene. So there's ads. Five blocks down yeah. that street, that, holding people. When they when they called action, that lady in the pink had to start walking. Yeah, so she, she could. She was uptown when this <laughs> yeah. when this scene started. And uh, she says, "Yeah, this is a this is a big deal. This must be like seven a.m. on a Sunday or something." Yeah. Do you guys miss payphones? Well, the I I'll tell you who misses payphones a lot. Superman. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also <laughs> screenwriters of films like this. Yes. Because if you have a cell phone on you all the time, yeah. you can just explain away everything with a couple of calls. Yeah, exactly. So the, remaking Rosemary's Baby today, that would be your primary challenge is finding out why she cannot communicate with people yeah. um, as easily as you could now. Sign language? Uh, FaceTime. Yeah. Well, you know, and I'll, I'll take this opportunity while we're watching do. this just happen. Um, say when I when I reference Rosemary's Baby, and this I find this true with a lot of films that I reference a lot from the seventies. Um, I will reference it in cinematography, but I'm not specifically talking about the um, you know the specific lighting that they used or 
or even the stock that they use. I mean, all of that contributes to it, but um, I might say that I want the shot to be like blah, blah, blah from Rosemary's Baby or this is going to feel like Rosemary's Baby, but I do not mean in any way, shape, or form that we would use, that we need to use that stock, we need to use that lighting, we need to put the camera in the same position. It's more like the philosophy. But it's a, well, yeah, and it's a, it's a feeling. And, and again, it's not so specific to the look. It's, um, and, and like you guys are talking about all the problems if you if you were to try to create a sequel um you know it's it's the vibe yeah and yeah. and regardless of you know why the baby stopped creating pain for her and why it's so slow to continue the thing is that it's if you take any any little chunk of it it's just it's so compelling and creepy yeah. slow this well, sequence this alone, i mean you, you could just take this sequence out and just show it to someone and that you could feel the tension of it <clears> right it works great by the way this is supposedly that's william castle doing his cameo yeah. here um and the false scare here too of course because you think oh yeah. oh my god but that it, looks like sapper scene from yeah behind. it turns out to be a total fake out but um the light has changed several times in the uh in the course of this shot yeah, daylight because, probably well yeah, yeah imagine how the clouds are it's just daylight moving. and the clouds rolled in now they roll back out right. again. but yeah the, but the the staging of this shot and the, the way, way it holds up up so well is just a wonder is of course you know she's literally trapped in a box and you've got this entire world where it just it the, the shot makes you want to like look for threats coming at her from a mile away mm-hmm. that she's not aware of so the shot is like the shot makes you want to like help her like rosemary behind you right behind you Be- because a- like the depth of that we talked about you're seeing <clears throat> yeah and i think actually that that first bit the guy with his back to it i think that's probably really the samperstein actor because he steps out yeah, of frame it doesn't seem and to then be the, the other guy, guy yeah. steps back in right. so it's like that's yeah. her we're we're seeing her subjective kind of uh feeling about yeah. it and, until the guy turns around yeah. interesting could be i mean he does totally clear the frame and come back in yeah he clears the frame and comes back in and the, and the hair is uh shorter and closer mm-hmm. to the head this is a he shot so they've done so many yeah, times the, the shot we just did the they love to be on the opposite side of the, the room like yeah. in one room through a hallway yeah. into another room and she or he or the guests or anyone is by themselves and so small head to toe like a little action figure they keep going back and yeah. forth between feeling making you feel like she's <clears throat> tiny in the frame and then making you feel very claustrophobic with her like, mm-hmm. Which those two things together, I guess, could create this really weird sense of being alone and worried about the world. Yes. Yeah. Which, you know, abstractions, y'all. That's cool. I also like the way she dresses throughout this entire movie. Like, I like her style. This dress less than the rest of them. But just the entire time she's wearing stuff that I'm like, oh, that's cool. I like that. Well, it's all, And it's all so innocent and fragile. Like, yeah, that it's too, all yeah. delicate stuff. When she, her little suitcase, yeah. Yeah, this this little yellow dress inside. It's like a child inside. running away from home. That's literally yeah. the vibe yeah. here is, you know. And they're probably giving her sizes several times too big just to make her look frailer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's great Grodin. is uh, Charles Grodin again is it's it's you know it's great to see him like here at the beginning of his career and now he's 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 kind of he's written a couple of great books about his career. He's written quite a few. Um, one is called "It Would Be So Nice If You Weren't Here Right Now," which <laughs> is a, which is very funny because it's based on something actually someone said to him on the set of a movie, which is a very funny story. But um, Charles Grodin, what I like about Charles Grodin is usually he's no, most known for comedy. I mean, that, that's what he became famous for. He has this very deadpan, you know, if, he, if he'd if he'd been in sync when Christopher Guest came to power, he absolutely would have been a regular in Christopher Guest movies because uh, he has that exact kind of deadpan <clears throat> delivery. But but it works here in the sense that he's not 
he's not giving away anything. He's not, you know, you have no idea. You know, he's just, you know, he's being very doctorly in the sense of like, I see, that's interesting, go on. You know, and you have no idea how he's reacting to any of it because he's not showing any reaction. Right. And and so, of course, that that's that creates the tension because you're like, is he buying this? Is he not buying it? We don't know. Is he helping her? And, you know, of course, it turns out the way it turns out where he's like, yeah, your wife's uh, having a bit of a wobbly. You might want to come down. She's just, uh, lost her mind a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, Dr. Zapperstein. This must have been very effective in the theaters. This moment where it's like, oh, oh thank God. S- someone yeah. believes her yeah. and then the betrayal like I can imagine that people were shouting in the theater with horror that, yeah, like, that she no, turned it's, in. It's a similar moment in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, as a yeah. matter of fact, but yeah. uh, that always reminds me of. But um, well, and and again, the the frail woman who has done nothing wrong, <coughs> and and all she wants is this life, and she's been well. No one will believe her. Yeah, I mean, That's there incredible. is a that is tapping into a uncomfortable but very real dynamic that happens in the real world a lot. Speaking about. How what's happening here is a violation preceded by an ongoing envelope of violation and no one believes her trauma. No one believes what's happening to her at all and dismisses Mm -hmm. what she's going through when she tells them about it, which is a very real dynamic that's really uncomfortable to watch. And it's, you know, only exacerbated by how much of a fucking dick guy is and also by the fact that there's really Satanists trying to get her baby. But, you know, mostly the husband. But of course, the the hard the thing that the great lie of movies is in real life. This guy's doing exactly the right thing. Like, yeah. dude, your wife, oh my God, you you need to get down here. Um, she is flipping it's out. It's either that or I need to, you know, I need to call Bellevue and have them come with a, a butterfly net because she's saying the weirdest shit right well, now. Well, yeah, but exactly, though. That's exactly, but that, that adds to that vibe because it is yeah. so plausible that no one would believe her. And you're her. The, the movie is you. You're, you know, mm-hmm. she, you are her through this movie. She's taking you through this experience that she's having. So she's you feel, you, you feel all the helpless pain that she feels. When the entire world operates as intended yeah. and yeah. totally ignores you when you're having this massive existential and physical crisis. Yeah. it's a, Well, it's that's another, you know, violation or betrayal or whatever you want to call it because it's The like, world is supposed to work. Yeah, the world yeah. is supposed to work a certain way. It's working that way to the benefit of everybody else. It's not working <laughs> yeah. that way for me. Now, that said, uh, an interesting spiritual thing to be made here because we talked about it oddly enough in Ghostbusters 2 where <laughs> like we know? when he's talking to the painting <laughs> wow. it's like okay first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to agree to whatever he says yeah, because I don't want to <laughs> piss him off then <laughs> yeah. I'm going to leave then I'm going to try to find independent verification this is actually happening and if it is actually happening then oh okay then hail, yeah. hail that guy because yeah. <laughs> yeah. talking painting I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, that's with, the, right. with the exception that, that of the possibility important. that a series of very profound incidental genetic mutations have happened with this kid, the devil is real in this universe. <laughs> yeah. It's f- once you see the eyes. Once you yeah. see, yeah, without, you know, barring really odd birth defects, this would, t- like, after this, I would go from being someone who is completely secular to being like, oh, hail Satan. Yeah. Shit, yeah. look at that. Like, yeah, seriously, yeah. right? Like, I'm at least going to say I'm, that till I get out of the room. Exactly. Yeah. Like, until I get out of the room. But for now, it's like, until I have evidence to think that this isn't actually fucking Satan, <laughs> well, now the burden of proof is on me to tell you that As we've all said many times, if we went outside yesterday and the rapture had happened, we'd all go, well, fuck me, I guess. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Huh. I got that one wrong. Yeah. I just love that. I, I, love, I guess we I, I love to do some reading. Well, <laughs> yeah. like, but, like, what it, happens now? At, at the, just, if anyone who's listening or just. We're not kidding about that. Like that, the the, the 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 turn on a dime thing would really happen that fast if it was yeah. like, oh no, like there it is. Okay, then 
That was, as I'm not over here to deny it that, Ricky, it, that it's happening right Ricky now. Ricky Gervais, you know, every so often we'll get into a, a fun, you know, slap fight with uh, someone talking about uh, religion or whatever. And, and someone said, well, what would you do if someone scientifically proved God exists? And he wrote, worship him. Hmm. I mean, because that's the answer. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's, it's like, so well, it's like, well, if you could scientifically prove God exists, well, that's all I'm asking for. So. I'm, I'm sitting over here being an atheist and then I give birth to what is clearly <laughs> demonstrably the Antichrist. I'm like. Oh, hell oh, Satan. Well, okay. so there's that. Yeah, exactly. Well, that is that is the other thing. It's like, okay, giving birth to uh, a demon. Okay, well, I know Satan exists now. Yeah. Still not sure about the other part. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Demons now I'm all, too? Now, really? I'm, now I'm all like, hail Satan. God, I'm, I'm down for you, dude. Just do it again, man. I want yeah. to see it. Let's, uh, you we'll know. do some tests. I'd be very interested. I'm not married to this, is all I'm saying. I am not yeah. rosemary to this baby. Wah, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, as as uh, you've said previously, Trey, in in when we're seeing people in movies who like see the baby with the demon eyes and go, "There's no such thing as Satan." It's like <laughs> yeah. that's not a skeptic; that's just an that's idiot. An idiot. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's always been my argument. Yeah. Not that I ever watched the X Files, but it's like nine seasons and Scully was still the skeptic. You've seen every weird yeah. shit there is. No, well, towards the end, once Mulder was gone, I didn't really watch it. But once Robert Spoilers. Patrick came in, once Robert Patrick came in, oh, to, she became to the one who knew everything. She was, the, she was the one going. They gave no. her a skeptic to yeah. go. Nah, it's not real. She's like, no, dude, I've been doing this for five years. Believe no, me. No, seriously. It is. It's not. This isn't Scooby Doo. This yeah. is, we're not going to rip a mask off somebody. There's yeah. some serious shit. This is going where that out. odd cue starts happening, where it's just sort of like. It's like it sounds like Ghostbusters incidental music kind of thing. But it's funny because this is the chase scene. What's funny is if you go back and watch Star Wars, there's like a good thirty minutes in the movie. Do that. Yeah, I know. It's it's a it's a forgotten gem. If there's a good thirty minutes in that movie where. Whenever you see Obi-Wan, all you're seeing is like a five second insert of him looking over his shoulder and crossing a hallway. <laughs> like it's it's way longer than you remember it being. Like he goes dip 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 and then just cut to the the other action. Cut back to a hallway, looks over his shoulder, dip 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 dip. And it's just like there's there's like it's the eight. size of a small pl- moon. What he's gonna take a while to cross some hallways. He's just surreptitiously crossing <laughs> yeah. hallways for like a half an hour. They're like, why we what's Obi-Wan up to? Uh, the hallway thing. Okay. Just. <laughs> he's in back to the hallway. He's tiptoeing. And someone's playing it like a pizzicato string. Listening to the, listening to the, um, of all, they were getting way off on a weird tangent, but it's true. The, um, the, the, the director's commentary for The Incredibles, Brad Bird's uh, commentary for The Incredibles. Is it a good commentary? It is good commentary. Uh, and and one of the one of the things he pointed out that I've always, always stuck in my head it, it, over the scene when um, I guess it's it's both of them actually, Mister Incredible and then Mrs. Incredible, um, both infiltrate the the compound. Right, you know they, they the whole thing with the train, the, the little the little bubble cars, and throwing the rock and knocking the guy out and going in the door. They both do and then that. She does her thing across the and hallway. She does, and they, and, yeah. uh, but but Brad Bird says that he goes. People don't sneak around in movies anymore. <laughs> I wanted to do a sneaking around scene, so I did these sneaking around because people don't. He's calling out shoe leather, basically. Yeah, but the idea, but but well, shoe leather, but shoe leather that you make a scene out of because right. it's like it, it's not just walking into the building. It's tension. It's. it's trying to sneak into the building and so like it's you know he says and I thought it was really true because like, I'm trying to think when 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 is the, what's the last mo- you know big movie I saw that had a sneaking around scene well Star Wars but that's 35 years old so I'm working on the it. closest yeah. thing I can exactly. think of try is, and name one the closest thing I can think of is the Matrix when he's trying to escape the agents and he fails but see that's more of an action scene because he's being literally pursued at that right. moment but the idea of trying no to one ev- knows ev- I'm ev- here ev- notice. no oh, one knows okay. I'm here and I'm trying to get from here to there and make a whole scene out of that. Yeah. It's, it's really kind of a rare thing for some reason. It's dropped out of the movie. Aside from Mission uh, Impossible. Aside from sneakers. heist movies. Uh, sneaker, uh, Ocean's Eleven, I guess. Yeah. 
Heist movies is what it is. Yeah, it's yeah. a heist movie. Heist thing movie now. is about the only place you'll find it. Now. I'm gonna find one. I'm thinking that was a great shot, by the way. She's on yeah, the that phone, one, that and one then in the background. That's almost doo-doo-doo. like that's like scary and black comedic at yeah. the same time. The fact that they go the way they're walking, yeah, they're doing their like creeping. Oh, bunch of old people are like old. Does that happen in District Nine? What sneaking? No, no. They just they walk in the front door, guns blazing. That's how you do it nowadays. Yeah. So here we go. I like Rose a nickname. Yeah, that's a good name. And it could be Rose. It could be. It's it's a multifunctional nickname. I mean, this is like this is horrifying. Yeah. Jesus, it's like this is whose nightmare is you know isn't this? Yeah, like, that's another real shot. That was not an effect. Yeah, yeah. but again, it's like mm-hmm. if she if she were freaking spazzing out and really losing it, and she was pregnant and about to go into labor, that's basically what you'd that's, have to do to her <laughs> in real life. That would be the process. Yeah, get everybody in the room, hold her down, and shoot her up with something. Yeah. Oh. So watch this be just an. Oh, I'm not gonna. Uh, okay. So Moving on. Yeah, I was gonna say watch this be an allegory for. Nope, not gonna do it. All right okay. then. Then stop trying to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is, finally guy is kind of rediscovering his humanity. Yeah. He goes, look, baby, it's just tomorrow. It's all gonna be so much better. This is rough, but you know, Jesus. It's like you could have, you could have been a little nicer a little sooner, guy. Jesus, come on. Yeah, so she thinks she's losing the baby now, or that they're going to take it, and she she failed to save it. Yeah. And wouldn't life have been better if she continued to believe that? <laughs> yeah, basically. That, that's what would they the have plan. done? Like, Guy would have just kept living the lie, I guess. No, they would have gone to California, and he would have been a big movie star. She you know, she had she they, lost the baby. She that's lost the story. The, the baby died. They're going to you know the coven is going to raise it to eventually take you know burn the world to the ground. And okay, fine. But meanwhile, I'm going to go be a movie star. We're going to do that. We're going to forget this ever happened. You had a miscarriage, isn't that sad? We're going to now move we're going to leave. Life. Right. That was the deal. Hmm. But now she knows, and they're like, well. Let's uh, let's try and make lemonade out of this. Yeah. <laughs> you can go we will uh, we'll, we'll play it by horn. Actually, yeah. so the one ultimately the one who really gets jacked in this movie is Guy because you know like his whole plan is blown. It's like yeah, that's true. wait, we're gonna we're gonna raise Satan's kid now. That is that was not the deal. That was so not the deal. I still get to be a movie star, right? <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that his his the Faustian comeuppance is yeah, like, nope. Like, actually, you're gonna have to stay in New York now, and you yeah, gotta yeah, stay you in New York. And you gotta raise Satan's kid. What? This sucks. Yeah, hold on, dude. I made, I made, a, made a deal with the devil, and then he turns around and screws me. Who saw that coming? <laughs> God, if you can't trust Satan. It was like also the, now that it's over. Now we have like a sitcom moment. Yeah. Like, oh, you just scared me. Oh, as I'm reading my Reader's Digest, she as I live and breathe. Oh just, my goodness! Even at the even at the end, she's like, "Stop it with the oh gods! We'll just kill you." It's like uh, she's still so broad when she yeah, does that. It's amazing. It's like Kay Ballard. Mm. We can make more money with a flop than a hit. <laughs> Mother-in-law. I keep thinking that Cassavetes is Steve Carell every time he enters yeah. the room. <laughs> Uh, we took it away, and Woody Allen's dating it. Yeah. Oh. You'll get your turn. Uh, yeah. That is weird. That's... Oh, she was never with Polanski, though. No. Okay, cool. I was going to say, because if she know. was, then she's with two dudes that have that weird thing going on. Yeah, no. Hopefully, no. <laughs> Soon he was like 17, which was legal. It was just weird because he'd been raising her for a while. He hadn't. Or his was never his daughter, right? 
Oh, fair enough. And it's 20 years later, and they're still married. Don't we give them some props for that? <laughs> yeah, how she's, many of she's, you? She's, watch this be a really pushing, long... You know, she's pushing 40 now. I think it's here to stay. Watch this be a crazy long con, and she's a beard. <laughs> like, to really distract they people just, from from the, the whole, like, the, the gay husband that lives in, like, the bungalow. Well, that's, the, that's the cynical approach. It's <laughs> like, they're still together just because if we break up, we will never hear the end of that shit. Yeah, exactly. God. She's a beard, I'm telling you. Forget it. He's playing the long, long con. Is that slander? I was, I was kidding, Woody. <laughs> and also Suni or whatever her name was. I, I really... I haven't, yeah, I haven't been in love with anyone yet that made any fucking sense at all, so I give people <laughs> I give people a lot of slack myself, but that's just me. I've never been, had been in love with anyone where it made any sense. Yeah, those At least it's never been like potentially... A felony, which I'm grateful for. Yeah, but that's not because I'm a good person. I dated a bowling alley for a while, but <laughs> there's no there's that's no just me right dodging bullets. <laughs> there are those people who Trey. Like, I'm fall saying in that when you're good the, enough, you won't have to. There are those people who claim to be in love with the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> I got him shit. right when he was Boom! drinking too. Wow, I have a I have a nose full of Coke now. I got him Coca Cola. Co- yeah, I was like, um, <laughs> just this clear. whole podcast taking a weird yeah, turn. We're going downhill fast on Roseburg. <laughs> My God, we were so close to the end. And I had to go and bring up the child rape thing again. The I'm really interested by the, what they're doing with the lighting. What's now. in the hallway? Is that a teleporter? Yeah, I know it's like a crystal. A crystal is oh, that, well, I feel like there's been one in in every doorway almost. So yeah. they're consistent with their that's teleporters. The, well, the, after she eats, that's the a mousse. light fixture, I guess. That's oh wait, is that new? After that? she ate the chocolate mousse, there yeah. was a gl- glowing orb above her head when she was all like mm, stumbling right. out of the maybe she's kitchen. a sim. I wonder. I almost feel like going back and, and seeing if it's a thing. Like they added, seeing it. if it's a, well, seeing if it's a thing where there's there's a lot of that in there, and now she's had the baby, and now we're seeing it, but it's off because it's not lit right now. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So I don't. I just totally made that up, and that may not play out at all. <laughs> but that would be an interesting thing to look back and see. But mm-hmm. Polanski's not. Kubrick, so I would be surprised if he had that level of attention to detail. And I would be surprised if someone went to the trouble of retconning it as if he was Kubrick. Yeah. I was thinking about something earlier, by the way, when we were looking at a that, night shot. That's just at the limit of what I believe about Kubrick, too. Right. <laughs> we were looking so. at a night shot where they were in bed, and it was doing the thing where we're trying to make it look like there's no lights on, but we have to have lights on, so we're doing a thing that kind of fools your brain into thinking that it's dark, even though we have bright lights shining on the right. faces. And it occurred to me that an interesting trick that could be used, I think, to your advantage in that situation is to have pillows that are darker linen Yes. For that sort of scenario, so yes. that because what I kept noticing was that no, that lit. light was catching so hard no, on the white pillow okay. behind her yes. head that it was. Is that a thing that happens? A, the very first thing is that the, the, really, yeah, the linen should be darker. It's always easier. It's it's always easier with all that yeah, stuff. I'm proud of myself. I mean, just just with um, I mean, even if you're in a situation like they've been in the whole movie where you've got shadows on walls, they're actually less noticeable if you have darker walls. Interesting. In general, I mean, yeah, and certainly in those scenes, in those situations where you've got hard shadows and they're sort of unavoidable, if the actor's blocking can be more stationary, again, well, the shadow only is bad if it's moving in general. Huh. So I'm very proud of myself for the linens thing. Yay, that's something people do. Mm -hmm. You're welcome, guys. (laughs) (laughs) I'm taking credit for it. I will rewrite history. That lady, I didn't care for her in the beginning, and she just gets more like. Mm-hmm. I hate that character. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, she is. Well, just also terrible. with like like the rocking the baby and all that stuff. Just like, even if it is Satan's son, I don't care. It's like God. That that there there is no way you think that's the right way to rock a baby. Yeah. That's how you stir a baby. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> you want it, you want it stirred? Wouldn't that be the ultimate irony? Is Satan gives birth to a son and then it gets abused? Hey, who's abusing my kid? Satan has to get a nanny cam. Who's doing it? I'm going to find really out. We really needed someone with better hum- human instincts and compassion. Yeah, here. really. Who knew that Satanists would, would have, you know, difficulty relating to Those baby? lenses. Of course, they're not real glasses because you can see the reflection going across the glass all at once, which means they're flat, yeah. not bent, not lenses. I love I love the crazy look there. She's like, aha, I caught you. <laughs> Bricks. Full of pills. Yeah, it's the pills that we're supposed oh. to be. Because <laughs> oh. we see her. We, Those we see bricks her are going to be away. out for a week. And then we, we see her do it the first time, like so. put the pill in there and then we pan down. Like, no, she's yeah. been doing this for a little while now. Yeah. She's, so she, did she stop drinking the shake? She doesn't drink the shake anymore. The baby. Well, no, I know. But like once she stopped, then the pain stopped. But then no. she starts drinking the shake again. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah, unrelated. Ones, yeah. They were unrelated. Because oh. she was she went, well, obviously it wasn't the shake that was killing me. So, yeah, yeah. I'll try. You know, she was she was happy because <laughs> that's a nice moment. Yeah. If only they didn't have a cat. So that's that's the best they could do. Although why the towels didn't go, I don't know. For a second, she thought the baby was dead and she was so relieved that it wasn't. She's like, okay, I'm going to do everything that everybody's been telling me to do because it's okay now and the baby's healthy and we're going right. to whatever. So that's why she went back to drinking the shake and eating those cakes that Minnie started to bake and, and all of that, which were, oh, it sounded delicious in the book, by the yeah, way. They really? were like a sweet almond cake and like, oh, I want some. Well, the shake keeps looking like <laughs> Do I have to have Satan's baby? I don't, care. I don't care if it's a Satan cake or not. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. That does sound good. Okay. Now, now here's the thing. She, she kind I'll of eat all kinds of cake, and I, I like if, I, if I clearly well the described. Devil. That is a man who likes some cake. I kept yeah. thinking that the shake looked like Oreo McFlurries. I was like, mm, yeah, it's yummy. Too. There you go. There's a nice little lighting gag for you. Now, now she kind of out of the blue, seemingly, unless I missed a clue, goes. Of course, the closet from two and a half hours ago. Da-da-da-da. Yeah. Um, which, which I don't know. You know what? What made her suddenly make this leap? But. Um, well, it was her. I mean, uh, you know, haven't we all been thinking that a little bit, though? I mean, from the beginning, it was uh, there's yeah. something weird about that closet, and also, and she knows that somehow, somehow they, they got, got in when the door yeah. was. Th- that's that, what it that's is. That's the thing. It's like, yeah, it's again. It's it's not that I need everything explained. It would have been. I think it, actually, what I would have liked better in terms of just efficiency is if right at the beginning, if Elisha Cook Jr. had just said, "Well, you know, these used to be one contiguous apartment, so this was a hallway right. to the other apartment. So right. it's actually the hall, the hallway to your neighbors. You know, so she would know that she would know if someone mm-hmm. just flat out told her that that's a, that actually. If you can get through that wall. As opposed to relying on it being story framework, gun on the mantle sort of thing, where it's like, it has to come back because it was mentioned. It may have been a little... For her, it was just a thing that they mentioned along with all the other things she mentioned that day. That was a great moment when she stopped the... When she yeah, stopped it from rocking with the knife. So nice. That was like, oh, now. It's like, at this point, like, okay, movie, like it where are you anywhere. going now? Yeah. Because, because of yeah. course, it's like, well, wait a minute. Okay, we've waited two and a half hours and built all this tension. If you don't, you know, if you don't know the punchline of this movie, quote unquote... This is like okay now, I know we know what David Fincher would do at this point. Yeah, but um, you know, <laughs> yeah, this right here is like fully edge of your seat moment. Especially, yeah. I wonder if that's. I wonder. I don't think it's conscious. I think it was just the style of the filmmaking in the late '60s. But I wonder if there is the emphasis on. I love, I love s- the mural of Notre Dame in flames. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, didn't yeah. notice that when yeah, we came was, for dinner. This was made. Uh, that painting was made by someone who went to Yale, I guess. Right. But yeah. Uh, and anyway, <laughs> wow. wow. Um, I wonder if there's any deliberation on the 
behalf of this pacing being so slow this whole time that when you get to this sequence, it is unbearably tense. Like yeah. you get when you when it's been this slow this whole time, so many things happening this fast is like it's like a rocket taking off. Just like oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Mm-hmm. What is this? What is that? What is this? Mm-hmm. What are those people standing there for? What is this? What is she saying? You, you get this. It's you know the the fuse has reached the final you know piece of gunpowder and. Poof, I wonder, and it, I wonder if that gives it more impact than it would have had if the pacing was faster, and that might have been a choice. But like I said, I think it's just the filmmaking style of the '60s. But it's something that I was wondering. Yeah, I, I, if you were to boost up the pace and and this little bit where he starts to get up and then goes, oh, never mind, sits back down again, is straight out of the way it's described in the book, and the the Japanese guy taking pictures and stuff. <laughs> Which what the fuck is that? He's a Satanist from Japan, yeah. and he came to see the movie. But, like, but they did like the caricature thing, and it's just. He, Have you ever been to Japan? <laughs> <laughs> he just, but he looks like a propaganda poster. And then he's got the camera, which second layer of stereotype. Oh again, yeah, again, I you know, and they're all excellent drivers. Uh, the, the 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 book ends on the yeah, like that's the, that's the, the last line, image. The yeah. last image of the book is she's rocking it, and and uh, it's it's you know the the. It says something about and the Japanese man clicked two, three, four pictures, yeah. and that's the end of the this, book. First of all, just I love the design of this of this the cradle because yeah. it just looks awful. It's like something wrong. And boy, you know, Oscar nomination should have gone watch right your face, here. Watch your face. Yeah. yeah, the music really helps too. Yeah, finally the music you know gets in there and does the job. <laughs> but uh, but you know it it. So here's the we're gonna have the eye. Remember Satan eyeballs. Remember Satan, Dr. Dr. Morton Greenspoon contact lenses that we paid for. Um, you know, I, I would agree that we would, you know, it would have been better off to, to not even have that. Uh-huh. But I, I absolutely think, you know, this, I think this movie would be half as well remembered if they had cut to a rubber demon oh, baby. Awful. That would have killed it. Yeah. Totally there you go. He it. just said Satan is his father, not yeah. guy. Cool. We don't need the shot. No, stupid shot. Mark. Bowtie. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Now he's rocking the bowtie. Comb forward, also bringing it back. Yeah, the 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 not showing the baby is what elevated this from being a B movie to a classic. Yeah. Also, I was thinking that something I really like about Rosemary's Baby, but I don't know if I'm actually doling the credit where it's due. I think I should just dole this out to the '60s and '70s. Is this is a scary movie, and you know the way that you would call a movie either you know a, a romantic comedy or you know this or that. It's a scary movie. It's a thriller. It freaks you out when you're watching it. It is slow paced and smart and produced like a drama about something scary as opposed to being the in your face, smack you in the eye, dick in your eyes, sort of stupid, scary movie that we get these days for the most part. You don't get these like the last one I can think of that's along these lines that I've seen. Bear in mind, I'm not the guy who has the sample here, but it's like Silence of the Lambs or something where it's just a drama about something scary as opposed to in your face. Scary stuff. Not just like slasher or horror shit. Just it's it's designed like a drama. And it plays out like a drama about really horrifying shit. It's not inherently designed to be a scary machine that you watch and it scares you repeatedly. Sort of deal. Do you see what I'm saying? That's well. That's a. Uh, it's not a machine designed to be scary. It's just a story about a scary thing. That's what's well. That's what's great about the fly as well. The fly drops into the full on horror in the in the final act, but for the most part, it's exactly what you're saying. And they talk about that that it's basically a, it's it's this, a medical it's drama. Just, it's just this horrifying, <laughs> inevitable medical problem that's yeah, getting worse and worse. Exactly. It's a it's well, a it's cancer AIDS. story, Maybe like AIDS or, or AIDS. Yeah, and then and then AIDS that turns you into a monster that tries to eat your fiance. <laughs> yeah. Like AIDS. Yeah. Hey, so like an extreme case. 
So this is the only guy. So not like Magic I Johnson. This guy. this guy is the only one who is like he. That is a Satanist right there. <laughs> that you you look at him like, and like just. But he's an Italian Satanist, so he's guy. fun. He's yeah. festive and fun. Or he's. I think he's Greek. Oh, he's Greek. That's right. Greek. or something. Oh, he's the Greek one. Yeah. So. so. So he likes, you know, he likes to sail and, uh, you know, no. he's a nice guy. Well, that's, that's what's, that's what ultimately is what's so interesting about. I would like a Coca-Cola is yeah, the line the, in this the, scene. The book and the movie is that ultimately, and a boy, you know, again, no movie today would, would dare. This is just so, it's also mundane. Yes. It's also just like, these are just the most boring people that you would never take another look at. Just like, you know, it's just, these are the people who happen to worship Satan and are bringing about the birth of his son, blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, the, you know, on the seventh, on the second floor, you know, the Ludovitzes, they, they They're give, bringing to, they uh, give uh, to the art, the art museum. They, yeah. uh, they support the char- the charities there. Ninth floor, uh, we've got the Wallaces. They're bringing together a three-headed goat on the third red day of summer. Yeah. And, well, um, I, and of course the, uh, well. Entrails uh, in a copper bowl and all that. You that's know. sure. And then, uh, you know, and of course uh, they, uh, the Ethiopian orphanage uh, supporters are there in uh, 6D. They, uh, they send money to the Ethiopians. And then the Smiths on the 10th floor of HBO. Yeah, cool. <laughs> but they give it to everyone else in the building, which is nice. Ah, yeah. Well, there's that. They ran a cable. There's yeah. that. There's that whole move with Minnie that that sums it up perfectly. Where you know, uh, she's uh, Rosemary has dropped the knife in her despair and stuff like that, and Minnie just bends down, picks it out, and like yeah. rubs away the. I love the rub. I love the little rub. Oh, the floor. Yeah, because oh. she's she's like oh, it's hardwood floors. Yeah, yeah, she's she's like okay, the end of days is coming, but come on, yeah, these but are still Jesus, cherry wood. I mean, come on, I mean, this is original flooring. <laughs> come on. God, that, that rocking. Yeah. That's, like a, that's yeah. how you shake paint. Exactly. Yeah, clearly Laura Louise is not, you know. Watch the crucifix <laughs> just fall and go, funk. You know what? Maybe that's would, the rock I would, that you I would be Satan's Satan. nursemaid rather than that. It's like, come on. I mean, he's Satan's kid, but Jesus. Pardon the expression, but... I li- actually, the, the, the upside down crucifix is the best touch of all. No. Like, oh. I just want to see it like she she's loosens it enough that it so, falls. Yeah. Th- ah! Although I think... Okay, just step aside. I think you'd just call that a cross because a crucifix has Jesus on it, doesn't it? Isn't that a thing? It's It would, might. If we saw it closer, it's supposed to be a crucifix. Usually it does have him on it. Yes, but isn't, but isn't the, the semantic difference yes, that a crucifix cru- has a Jesus the on it? The crucifix has a little uh, Jesus action figure, yes. <laughs> he doesn't usually do much, though. <laughs> yeah. He's not usually posable. I went to a balloon conference, y'all ladies, and um, it <laughs> was a it was the Christian Brotherhood of Musicians, uh, Magicians, I think, sort of thing. But there was balloons going on there, so it was like a Christian oriented magic and balloon two or three day conference at a hotel somewhere in Indianapolis, right? And there was <laughs> a guy <laughs> giving tutorials to anyone that does balloons, and I was one of them, so I was walking by. Uh, for how to make a really great Jesus on a cross balloon. <laughs> oh, wow. Where, like, the cross is this double-twisted sort of thing going on where it's it's double-thick and it's got a cool spiral going on. And then you make a balloon Jesus in suffering hanging on the cross <laughs> and hand it to the kids. And you can make a great little crown of thorns by taking an actual uninflated balloon and tie little knots on it to make thorns and you wrap it around his head and tie oh, it off in the back. Oh, that's a really sad Jesus kind of genius. <laughs> And then, but then you put an actual crown of thorns on him, and he bursts, and the whole—that's right. A, it's a parable. That's another, yeah. It's a whole lesson. Yeah, of course. If you wanted to do that and have it be like sacrilegious, you could inflate it with like WD forty or something, and if then just light it on fire. If you wanted it to be sacrilegious, boom! If you wanted, yeah, to if be. you wanted it to be sacrilegious, right. as, as, as it stands, right. So here's our. Got that that's, extra that's it. So and, you know, and here we come full circle to the lullaby again. Back hormones to are hormones are a magical thing. Yep. This little neighborhood looks a lot like. Not America. It looks like the neighborhood in Willy Wonka or like British or something. Like the whole back part of that thing looks Willy Wonka in particular. Like that kind of odd, not well, yeah, what I'm used to seeing. 150 year old building. Neighborhood. And then there's like 20 seconds of credits done. Well, well they went at the front. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so Rosemary's Baby is like, I, I would say plainly outstanding. I have a couple quibbles with it, but just 
as an exercise and a study in what you can do with building tension and, and, and not needing to be astounded or surprised by the end to enjoy a traipse of inevitable non like plotty non like act one act two act three gonna go on an adventure sort of plot just watch something get worse and still be very compelling uh just a really fantastic entry into our scary month uh catalog and i'm glad we did it because people need to see this movie it's it's one of those movies that i think can be distancing to people who didn't grow up with older movies because it's like rosemary i don't even know what that's about i don't care like at least something with a title that's really compelling. You go, okay, I'll watch that. That sounds interesting. But Rosemary's Baby was one that sat on a shelf in my house for a long time before I finally popped it in. And uh, I think it's great. Laura Beth, how do you feel about Rosemary's Baby? In summary, has anything changed or is this all pretty much, yep, been thinking that the whole time, dude? Yeah, it's the, it's the same. I mean, I, I saw Rosemary's Baby, I think, when I was a child. Jesus. A child, <laughs> You're probably. a baby. I mean, I don't know. At some point on television. And then again in film school for sure. But um but um yeah, it is as I remembered it. And um still I will I will reference it for tone continually. Um, you know, like like we were talking about, there's crazy double shadows and all kinds of stuff that's weird that we just wouldn't be allowed to to do today. But um but I think also it's not the the pacing is not not just the it's important to remember it was not just the filmmaking um as, like preference of the day that was also the lifestyle <laughs> we 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 lived more slowly then, oh, that's okay true. that's a good point so that's true. so that's why um this this pacing would not did, did not feel like a choice and i mean i say this having been born in 81 right right but <laughs> yeah, really, what is this we you're but, talking but about my, no, but my no, we but I, is that i thought i wouldn't have had them. i but yeah. i well see that's important but i I, I, just, like, I grew up watching my, my our thing that we did together was watch movies we watched so many movies and i watched a lot of movies that were all prior to the 80s like i've, I've seen that's actually that's actually a, a really important thing it's it's funny that there and because teague, teague mentions it some and uh, eddie is another one who talks about it that he and his dad would watch movies that was their mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. so of course when you watch movies with your dad you're going to see movies from the 50s and the 60s that he right. your dad remembers fondly and so right. you're going to be exposed to that early on yeah. in a way that a lot of people aren't if you don't have that kind of familial connection yeah so so you know we tell our our audience who, you know, are all your age, many of them younger, you go, yeah, Rosemary's Baby, very scary. And they go, it's two and a half hours and nothing happened. It was really slow because they just don't have any experience watching right. that kind of movie. Yeah, yeah, that's totally true. Like, that's precisely true. Like, my dad, for instance, he the movies that he was really into and showed me growing up were movies that were big when he was like 25. Like, he didn't grow up with movies himself. So he only got out of the house and was an adult and like started watching movies later. Like, it wasn't a part of his life. So all of his movies that he cared about a lot were like between 78 and 81, 82 sort of thing. Like it, mm. So I was, the, all of the favorite movies that I grew up with from my dad are all 80-ish. Like it's like around there as opposed to much older because he only started liking movies like when he was in his mid-20s. So I hadn't thought of that before. But, but that's yeah. also, it's also a good point about... So like we're talking like Back to the Future, Raiders, Close Encounters movies, like that kind of stuff. Well, see, Raiders was just like, the reason Raiders became such a hit is because it was so crazy, balls to the wall. Oh my God, it was like sensory right. overload, Raiders was. Right, right. Um, that, was, that was, you know, made by you know, movie kids who were like, I'm just going to crank the knob to 11 and leave it there. And, and so like, Oh, you're, that's insane. You go back and watch it now and it seems stately. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but you, it's an interesting point that it's, you know, that life itself, yes, was, was even slower. It's like, and you're sort of seeing that in some of the things we talked about. It's like, Oh, I'm standing on the street corner and so-and-so's not here. Well, let's see if I walk 
two blocks down and one block over, I could get to a phone where I can call his answering service and they might be able to reach him within a couple of minutes or an hour. Yeah. And that's, but then I might miss him. So I think I'll just wait here. So then I'll just, do I sit here? Maybe I'll just go to the coffee shop for an hour. But then he won't know I'm here, you know. Right. right. Well, it's like her, her action sequence where she's yeah, exactly. just going to look stuff up. But yeah. then she goes to the phone booth to try to call people and not everybody picks up. So it's, yeah, it's different. And, and you know, and, and what, around this time would have been um, Picnic at Hanging Rock? Yep. Another horrifying film <laughs> in which nothing happens. <laughs> Except, again, gorgeous. It's all vibe. These little dainty white girls on the big black rocks. And then what happened to them? You don't know. Like, the end. Don't look at me. I wasn't there. <laughs> but it's like two it's hours. not me that of, time. You kind of spooked right? me out just now. It's kind of freaky. Dorkman? Yeah. yeah. Rosemary's baby? Um, I can't, can't really... Uh, Say much more than we've said. I actually rewatching it and discussing. As long it, as he ate the mouse, he can't say nothing. Yeah, I was pre- I I was appreciating more, even more, kind of the the craft of it and stuff like that, which is considerable. Which yeah. is considerable, and which is, by the way, noteworthy because we've had the opposite experience where we've thought very highly of a movie and then we watch it without the sound and we go, <laughs> yeah. wait a second, wait a minute. You tricked me, <laughs> you know. Um, but this, you this, talked me into thinking you were a good movie. Yeah, but this not only holds up, but just watching it silently is it makes it even more impressive in some ways. Um, so I definitely think it's worth watching. Like you guys have said, it's it, almost like it, it's a mentally acquired taste to be able to watch these kinds of movies if you didn't grow up. Yeah, with exactly. Them. Um, and uh, the the first time I watched this, I was not prepared to watch a movie like that. But uh, I think I've I started to get better at that. You can't um, handle Rosemary's Baby. Up, up, appreciating <laughs> it more. Um, there's like we've talked about it before. There's certainly if you if you were to remake it today, there is a good way to do it. But Hollywood, that's not the way you're gonna do it, is it? No. So don't. <laughs> yeah. So um, don't even do it. Just don't do it. It's so like when someone says, "Well, Tarantino, shut up. Don't. Yeah. No. Um, you are not Tarantino. Just don't even fuck with it. But yeah, it's a it's a classic movie. It's fascinating what it does by doing nothing and uh, what it what it makes you feel by showing nothing and and certain. It it deserves to be kind of spoken. Everybody talks about, like you said, the shark in Jaws. This deserves to be spoken of in in very much the same kind of breath. Yeah. Um. For the for, baby in Rosemary's for Baby. For many of the same reasons. Yeah. 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 Uh, like it's a really stupid, pithy <laughs> distinction to make, but this is a film. Yeah. You know, this has yeah. a, this has the feeling of a film, whereas something more recent. Whereas this nine times out of ten will feel like a movie. Yeah. Where and and there was very little the same way that that you know Jaws was like. Who's gonna Who's gonna give a, anyone that book and have it be anything better than than Sharknado? You know, basically. Yeah. And and Rosemary's Baby, so so could have fallen into any like. We we it made could jo- have been a William Castle yeah. film. Boring, yeah. tepid we malaise made, with yeah. cheap laughs and, and scares. We made we made jokes about you know Netflix saying you might also like, but if you go on Netflix and look at Rosemary's Baby, it will suggest movies that nobody has heard of since the seventies that this movie could have been, um, and it's not. This one rises above it, and it's it's very worth you know kind of rewatching and and examining and thinking about why and and ideally kind of. Harkening back to it, maybe a little bit. I don't know. Maybe, you know, craft. Yeah. Crazy talk. One crazy can dream. Talk. Trey, yeah, this one. Um, 
this when uh, Laura Best suggested we do this one, I was like, eh, really okay, you know, I don't know. If we, um, hadn't seen it in a while. I remember, you know, I don't hate it, but I didn't hate it. Remember hating it by any means. I'm like, yeah, it's got some great stuff in it. But um, watching it again, I mean, I, I rediscovered a lot of, of things about it that I, I came to appreciate. It's not one of my favorite favorite movies, um, and I, you know, don't feel like uh, I'll probably watch it again very often. But uh, yeah. the, but the, I think it is. It's it's something that uh, you know and. and all of us film school people, this is just how we think. And and uh, and when you're on a set of a film, often we will talk about this needs to be like this, and and you should have Rosemary's Baby in your arsenal, mm-hmm. in your dictionary, in yeah, your head. in your yeah. in your in your visual whatever. When the so, shared communicator. So dictionary. if the DP should happen to say this scene, it should feel like you know them within Rosemary's Baby. Be ready to go. Oh, with the, I get with hmm. mm-hmm. so because yeah, you know, there's a there's a whole lot going on in this movie that I think we're just probably not. Unless we did a real close study on it, we're probably not appreciating how influential it was. Oh yeah, for movies that followed sixty-eight. Yeah, yeah. Well, they talk about you know with without Rosemary's Baby, The Exorcist would not have been what it was. The Exorcist is Rosemary's Baby with the knob cranked up to Mm -hmm. eleven. We think of Star Wars and Alien as being like a seventies film. This (laughs) isn't a seventies film. This is like. Nine yeah. and eleven years before those movies, and, respectively, and, and Alien itself, I think, owes a tremendous debt to having learned, having seen Rosemary's Baby, or, or having that in the in the kind of consciousness and going, "Oh, dude, look what look, yeah. look what long hallways and yeah. slow, creepy camera. Let's mm-hmm. do that. Yeah, great." And themes of pregnancy. Yeah. Yes, Rosemary's and, and, Baby in space. That's Alien. Yeah, right with, a, with a boy instead of a girl. Yeah. Oh, it's gonna work. It's totally gonna yeah. work. Yeah, Rosemary's Baby in space. Green light. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally, uh-huh, sure, totally doing it. Like I can totally see that picture. That's working. kind of that's more event horizon, actually. I guess yeah. more than anything. But uh, but yeah, it's um, it's it's you know, and, and unfortunately, again, when you as you know as we did just to get it out of the way, but you know, really, this movie is kind of more remembered because of its this weird nexus of real world tragedy that it it, it has through no fault of its own. But uh, not know, by my generation. And at the, well, at the at the at the time, I mean, even though we didn't have the web, even at the time, it was like, well, yeah, you make a movie mocking Satan, yeah, your wife's gonna get killed by the Manson family. What else do you think's gonna happen? Oh I'm, shit, I had made that connection. I mean, we had that shit going on with people saying mm-hmm. that, even though oh, we God. didn't. I'm sure if you look on the oh web, God YouTube, I'm sure yeah, if you look on the web right now, you'll find people you know mentioning it. Like, well, yeah, well, of course he's obviously a Satan worshiper, child molester. And no wonder his wife got killed. Gee, they were probably all Satan. Satan worshippers, that's probably what it was. Reddit.com slash r slash anonymous pieces of shit. Exactly. You know, it's like all that, that shit. That would just be Reddit.com. All <laughs> that shit happened, you know, and, and, and you know, and then if Mia Farrow, well, what do you expect? She made that Rosemary's Baby movie, of course. Her boyfriend's going to steal her daughter and rape her. And, you know. I mean, you know, this, this movie is like just invites people to just, you know, interpret it in all kinds of terrible, stupid ways, which that it's, it's unfortunately, it's probably more remembered as that than. Than as, uh, you know, as, as an actual film um, nowadays, which is uh, totally unfortunate. It's it's just an unfortunate nexus of of you know sadness in the real world. But uh, for a movie that's worthy of just being appreciated on its own merits, yeah. But exactly. you know, it is in the Criterion Collection, so at least. But not with fucking yeah. subtitles. Yeah, yeah no, without we subtitles. subtitles. Well, we have subtitles. Well, like we, we had to like but do like secret. We had to do like a player hack secret subtitles. And like, there's no button on the menu anywhere to turn on subtitles. It's a, it's like a damn good thing that I use like the system remote. They're making go, like, sure that you really know yeah. how to watch a movie. That you got to know right. the secret menu. How are you not in marketing? 
<laughs> it's not a bug, it's a feature. Yeah. Uh, anyway. I could be. This has been What Are You Doing Movie. You can always find more episodes at friendsinyourhead.com. Go to the uh, iTunes. There's a brand new episode every single week. Go to the, the website is friendsinyourhead.com. Go to the forum. Big community of people, and it's growing every day. Twitter.com slash friends in your head. Facebook friends in your head. Friends in your head at gmail.com. You can find us every week, mostly <laughs> recording live at friends in your head.com slash live, the Twitter and the forum, and everywhere else will tell you when that's happening. And uh, go buy one of our shirts or give us some money. There's a big PayPal button. We're not asking, we're just saying. Anyway, Holden Hill designed and maintained the website. And until next week, my name is Dee Christie. Laura Bethlehem. Mike Scott. <laughs> Kret Trotsky. And this has been it's What Are You Doing Movie? <laughs> You're it's an how long were you sitting on that one? <laughs> Thank you much for listening. Good night. Good night. Seriously, how long were you sitting on that yeah, anagram? Just, it just occurred to me. Just when I was, was going to have to say my name. You know, I always have to do, try and do something. That was thing. A, that was a thing that happened when Chloe's birthday uh, a couple weeks ago. She did. Uh, Edward champagne bottle hands where everyone yes. including Mike including <laughs> that geni- Mike that was genius taped a champagne bottle to each hand I did I did a champagne bottle and an a, a just a, a sparkling cider bottle because the last time Chris I tried, did double champagne everyone did, did double the last Brian. time I did double champagne was four yeah <laughs> right so we all know what like, happened there but, but yeah. everyone everyone's like literally so you can't use your hands the, 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 the thing is you have to finish a bottle and hold it over your head until you can get your hand back which is kind of insane right uh, but yeah. well, and this was right after I had stopped drinking. So I was just like being the guy at this party where people are like nexus drunk, like critical drunk. So it was one of the, it was worse than it would normally be to be sober at a party where everyone's drinking. And at, at the end of the night, we were having some conversation. I think it was with my buddy, Alex Smith, the guitar guy. And he was on the film scores episode, uh, where he was going to get going. Cause he had like, he had something to do in the morning. So I was like, are you good to drive? And then everyone started chiding him like, okay, well put your finger on your nose. Okay. Can you walk on a line? And then we're just doing this whole thing. So, and someone said, say the alphabet backwards. And then we got off into a conversation about how like, well, that's, it's suspicious if you know how to do that. Like, it's not like you're just thinking your way through the alphabet backwards. It's like, if you know how to do that on the drop of a hat without like any gaps, you've clearly rehearsed this for when you get pulled over for when you're drunk. Yeah. That is less of a, of an indicator of you being sober and more of an indicator of you being like an alcoholic. There should be a different I test. That. There should be a different test for this. And someone had mentioned that there was a line in the Simpsons. I swear to God, this is all coming back to anagrams that there was a line in the Simpsons where the, the sobriety test, the field sobriety test was, I'm going to give you the name of an actor, build an anagram out of that actor's name that describes them. That's not fair. And, wow. and someone came up with that. And I can't I, and, do that sober. Well, no. no, well, someone came up with that or someone said that in the conversation and I was just sitting there just like bored. And I said, wait, challenge accepted. And they gave me a name and I turned one around in like 15 seconds in my head. And I was like, Ooh, that was cool. I can't believe I nailed that. But everyone was looking at me like I was a God. Like they were all like, that's spooky, dude. How the fuck did you just do that? And it was just an, it was just a nice moment. It was like some Rin Man shit. Anagrams. So given, given the opportunity, if we, if we got everyone super drunk and gave me 15 seconds, I could probably come up with an anagram on the spot. So I don't know how long you've had that in your head, but just saying. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> trendsinyourhead.com <laughs>